0: Look at those incredible pictures! And they move while looking incredible, too! What are they doing, exactly?
1: Oh, they're fighting with Looney Tunes sound effects! That's so awesome to see!
2: Except, oh, oh! Here come more of them, except they're all getting naked! Oh dear, I did not need to see this, those poor people.
3: I know they're not bad, they're just drawn that way. But do they really have to do that in front of us? With those proportions, how does it even work?
0: I don't want to know. Never mind. Hey, Paisanos! It's the Backtrack Brothers Super Show.
2: We're the Backtrack Brothers, and old school argue. We're not like the others. You get all the fakes, if your back left in trouble. You can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers to Hooked on the Brothers.
0: You're in for a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure from RPGs of we drop consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show, you'll be Hooked on the Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. This is the one, the only RPG Backtrack, episode 191 Just Plain Vanillaware. I am your host, Phil Willis, and this is your other host, the not so vanilla Mr. Mike Minky
3: i happen to like vanilla some of the time it's not it's not a bad flavor it's simply a flavor that you can think is kind of bland which is doing vanilla a disservice i feel
0: Mm. yeah that's true yeah and there's we're gonna be talking about
3: why would everybody keep eating vanilla ice cream why wouldn't vanilla ice cream have become extinct in flavor of all other ice cream flavors
0: it's just plain old ice cream but you know what? This uh, this uh, bowl of vanilla-ware ice cream has a few nuts in it that we're going to be talking about. And to help us do that is the one, the only, Mr. Mashua Larpenter. Hey, Phil. Howdy. Ready to talk some vanilla-ware tonight and rant some? I, I am already drinking, because I'm going but, to need a drink Josh- tonight.
3: Joshua, I don't think you have an M or an L in your name. Where did those come from?
0: Yeah, well, close enough. <laughs> it's part of our Vanillaware soup. It's like alphabet soup. You just never know what's going to come up. A little good, a little bad, and all kinds of stuff. We're talking about a trio. Is it a trio? I feel like it's a trio. It is a trio of Vanillaware games today, and they're tonight. all on the Vita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah! You can play them all in the palm of your hand, um, or in other places. That's what we're going to discuss uh and there's there's a lot there and we might yeah we have a lot to do so we're gonna we're gonna actually gonna pour some alcoholic beverages and we'll be right back
3: wait don't you just swing from the bottle you don't need to pour
0: i, I think actually for this one i will get the bottle stand by i'm gonna go get the bottle we'll be right back This is the main event where we take a game or a series of games and chop it up like little pieces of meat about to be stuffed into sushi rolls. (laughs) Yeah, I probably could have come up with a more ice creamy analogy. (laughs) Too late. Anyway, little scoops of ice cream, little little spoonfuls. Anyway, vanilla. I'm, I'm glad
3: you didn't go with sausage because then I would have had to remind everybody of Otto von Bismarck saying, in politics as in sausage making, it does not pay to look at the ingredients.
0: Hmm. Mm. okay, I
3: think it was absolutely correct there
0: <laughs> this yeah yeah, absolutely well we're gonna so we got we got three vanillaware games we're gonna talk about uh today, and uh, we're gonna start off with Odin sphere developed by vanillaware, published in North America by atlas USA. This was originally released on the PlayStation 2 back on may seventeenth two thousand and seven, and then we got this. Fancy new version called... I don't know. What is that called? Left-hinder? Left-hander. The Left-hander edition. For those of you who are left-handed... How about, left-handed. about No, I think Left-hander sounds better. Uh, that Wouldn't
3: ca- it be called Southpaw, then?
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, anyways, that was released in North America on June seventh 2016... ...on the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation 4... ...and the PlayStation Vita... ...and yes, hashtag feeling the Vita love... Uh, that's our theme for tonight. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, definitely, all these games that we're talking about tonight, you can actually get in the palm of your hand, which is just absolutely amazing. Just like Odin Sphere is amazing. Who would like to talk about the story in Odin Sphere? Oh, nobody? I will talk about the story. Do you want me to talk about the story, or do one of y'all want to talk about the story?
3: It's fresh in your head, Phil, and I... I played the original PS2 red edition, but I have not played it since, and so the details are definitely not fresh in my mind. Go for it.
0: And uh, you know, so the, the the problem with me telling stories, boys and girls, I'm I'm I tend to be really horrible at names and settings and all those details. But uh, it, it is a really cool story on this one. Well, a lot of these games, I'll just tend, especially when it comes to action RPGs. Uh, it, it tends to be pretty forgettable, but, but this one was really good, and and it, it kind of kept me, it kind of kept me going all the way through. Um, so, uh, so at the at the beginning, you see. Um, uh I, and I forget the guy see I'm terrible at names I should have wrote notes but he's holding the this dude is holding the what's called the cauldron it's this big huge it looks like a gigantic bomb really I mean I say cauldron you think like a witch's cauldron it's kind of shaped like a cauldron but it's much bigger and it's got these diodes on it and stuff and it looks like it's just ready to blow up at any minute and it's controlled by this ring called the Terell um and uh and the such. And this thing you know this thing is is kind of considered a very very powerful if not very large but a very huge and uh powerful artifact uh and the such uh the the um uh, in this scene the queen of the elves is killed by this big dude going by the name of odin kind of looks like an old man odin type of thing and by the way you gotta look at screenshots of this game they're absolutely gorgeous these characters are all exaggerated odin's top half of his body is five times bigger than his tiny little legs that he's standing on it's but it's it's all very stylish and and gorgeous Uh, this little lady uh, velvet who is dressed in red is velvet red is that a thing think it's red it can be i guess so so velvet uh who looks like especially when it's
3: the name of a person and not a fabric
0: i feel like well i just feel like she's dressed all in red her name should have been red riding hood but anyways red riding hood velvet whatever her name is she steals the ring and gives it to uh the dragon wagner uh hoping that it will prevent the cauldron from being used and uh prevent the prophecies uh, that are out there saying that's going to be used to destroy the world um her lover... This is I can't, this is going to just go on, boys and girls. Just just hang with me here. I, I know it's a lot to take in. She has a lover, Cornelius. He's been changed into a puka, which is kind of like a really cute rabbit creature, but it's also considered a curse to be turned into these cute, adorable rabbit creatures. Uh, he's been turned into a puka by her brother, Ing, whose name is Ingwe. Keep up here. And, uh, and then uh, Cornelius is thrown into the netherworld. Uh, he eventually escapes uh, with the aid of his grandfather, Galleon, who is a permanent resident there in the underworld. And he learns that uh, the people of Valentine, which is the country that uh, Velvet comes from for the most part, is uh, pretty much most of them, other than her and a few others, share this curse. There's a whole bunch of these pukas. Um they need, uh, and, and so, uh, in order to break this curse, they need to grab, a, uh, get, to, to gather all the wish-granting coins, uh, there's, there's coins, there, there's, these coins that used to be of the kingdom, the kingdom's currency, and you have to collect them all, it's like Pokemon, if you collect them all, a wish will be granted, uh, and the such, and at the same time he cares about Velvet, but he doesn't want her to see her the way he is, um, at the same time working against him are three wise men that are trying to bring the the prophecies of the world's destruction known as quote the Armageddon very original they're trying to bring that to fruition Uh, don't worry they're all bad they pretty much all die most of them anyways Um, (laughs) yeah uh, Beldor uh, which is one of them he gets turned into a puka himself which apparently uh, being a puka does have one great benefit you're pretty much immortal so um, yeah that's 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 a good side effect. Anyways, uh,
3: being a puka doesn't seem to affect your ability in combat at all. You're no, able to, you
0: no, you got one of those crap out of things. Yeah, yeah, you got one of those glowing swords, and you're still going to town. Uh, I dare say he probably fights better as a hopping bunny rabbit than he ever did as a full blown guy. Well, he uh, had
3: no, he had no real stimulus to fight as a full blooded man. Now as a puka, he's got something to fight for. Yeah, not being a puka anymore,
0: right? The um, the exact reason why they grabbed velvet escapes me. But the wizard had grabbed velvet. Cornelius goes to rescue her, and um, uh, and eventually reaffirms his you know his you know reveal ends up having to reveal himself to her. She reaffirms his love for him, even though she's a brand new or even though he's a bunny rabbit. Well, what woman doesn't love an adorable bunny rabbit uh, and and the such? Um, So. So yeah, then so somehow King, King Valentine, who's this, who had died in the past, half the people. By the way, death doesn't mean anything in this game. I swear that half of them come back as ghouls or skeletons or ghosts or whatever, well, uh, we are or monsters.
3: About something based in Norse mythology where people come back from the underworld all the time. All
0: the time. It, there's like it's like a revolving door, uh, and I remember sometimes they were like showing. Like well, only Odin knows how to get to another world back. No, trust me, it's a revolving door. People are coming in and out of that place all the time. Um, And
3: look, look at look at Marvel Comics and Thor, and it's Odin. How many times have they died? It's it's a pretty common thing in Norse mythology,
0: right? Uh, So uh, so King Valentine, um, yeah. yeah, Some people think it's funny when people come back from the dead. Uh, King Valentine, uh, who is her father. Uh, comes comes back and he's just a he's just a decrepit little looking ghost skeleton thing, but he's got plans and he pulls strings and that's one of the interesting parts of the story is just how he puts into motion things behind the behind the scenes so to speak until he gets what he wants. Um, he's constantly tormented by the memories of murder, murdering murdering uh, his wife Velvet's mother in a rage, so he's also schizophrenic. He's he's kind of like the Joker but without the laugh and uh and eventually you know triggers the Armageddon device and also hatches the the the, the earth destroying dragon Levithan. so that's kind of like the the main story but there's a lot of stories wrapping around that uh such as Gwendolyn's story so there's five different characters by the way I've just mentioned the two main ones here that we talked about is Cornelius and velvet uh but there's and you play those two but there's three other. Characters you'll also be playing, such as Gwendolyn. Uh, Gwendolyn is the daughter of uh, the aforementioned Odin, and the, her story starts off uh, in a battle for the cauldron, where uh, where her father wants to take it over because that's everybody wants the power of the cauldron, and uh, and her her sister dies in battle, and she inherits her sister's spear, which is which is really useful for like I don't know the rest of the game uh, because. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, she's always t- trying to live up to her father, uh, Odin. She she always seems to come in second place in her father's eyes. It doesn't help that Odin's a bit of a power-hungry prick and is uh, a typical king that doesn't know what he's what he has until he's lost it type of character uh, and the such. Um, when one of his own generals, uh, Brig, one of Odin's own generals, Brigham, uh, attempts to undermine him, uh Gwendolyn stands stands up to him uh but it's technically breaking the rules and it's in front of other soldiers so even though it's his daughter Odin has to enact a punishment on her puts her into an enchanted sleep to be woken and falling in love with the with the first man who kisses her because that you know that's the punishment you do in Norse when your daughter defies you and you're a king so um uh, she, she, uh, she eventually, uh, becomes entwined with another character, Oswald, the Dark Knight, who I like to call Wolverine because that's pretty much his play style. He just goes berserker barrage. And, uh, if you played <laughs> X-Men Children of the Atom, that's all he does. I mean, really just goes off on people. Um,
3: I, I did not play Children of the Atom. I played Marvel vs. Capcom 2.
0: Same thing there. Great reference. Yeah, you know the Berserker Barrage move. I swear I did that all yep. day. Yeah, that's 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 Oswald in a nutshell. Uh, we'll talk about gameplay in a bit. But um, Oswald... Uh, Odin needed Oswald to do him a favor. And, and Oswald wasn't jumping at the opportunity. So... The king promised him a castle, promised him land. Oswald wasn't interested. But when the king promised his daughter, Gwendolyn, uh, suddenly, you know, Oswald listens for a bit. Because part of Oswald's story is that he also is kind of looking for some sort of acceptance that he didn't feel like he was getting. So it's something to kind of tie his sanity down, not to give into the darkness or the Berserker Barrage rage. Um, so that's how. Uh, their stories intertwine because after Oswald does what Odin wants, he is given the keys to the castle where Gwendolyn is there sleeping, waiting for him to kiss her to 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 you know wake her up and make her fall in love with him. Um, I recall that he had he at least had enough decency to not do that once he understood that was the curse that was on her. He didn't want her to fall in love with him, you know, that way. So, uh, so there were some other things that. You know, he did. He fought for her and she ended up fighting for him. No love involved at the beginning, but eventually she falls in love with him. And one of the questions that are in the game was, was it because of the magic involved or was it outside, you know, uh, of the magic um, and the such? So uh, Oswald himself is actually in the early part of her story backtrack a little bit. He's involved in an attempt to coup against uh, against Mercedes. Which Mercedes is the fairy, the fifth character you play. So you play Oswald, you play Gwendolyn, and you play um, Mercedes. She is the daughter of the Queen of the Fairies. Lots of daughters in this game. And she, uh, uh, in, in the beginning of her story, the Queen goes into that fight against the culture that we saw at the beginning of Gwendolyn's stories. And uh, the Queen eventually falls. So leadership falls onto this very inexperienced, very naive uh, Mercedes so you kind of go through her story in dealing with the coup, the leader of the coup, um, is oh my gosh, her cousin or something like that, and I can't forget, I can't remember Mr. Prick's name, but Mr. Prick, we're gonna call him, is also the the adoptive father of, um, Oswald. So all these things just continue to intertwine as you're playing through this hopefully you're taking notes, because this gets deep, but uh, all, these, all these people's stories just really, really, uh, you know, intertwine. Um, Par uh, going back to Gwendolyn and stuff, uh she is she Gwendolyn uh I, I can't remember let's see here. Oh, Oswald Gotha the Tetrell The ring that controls the cauldron, the Armageddon device, he took that from Wagner by force. Because one of Oswald's things is he's basically a dragon slayer. And he was asked to slay a dragon by his adoptive father. So he had to prove himself. Went out and did it, took the ring, and he gave it to Gwendolyn as a gift. But at that point, she wasn't really in love with him. And she was still trying to suck up to Daddy Boy. So she gives the ring to Odin um, and the such. Uh, Oswald Mm -hmm. feels betrayed. And he basically uh, allows Odette, who is the Queen of Death, the spider, wicked, gross, disgusting spider witch, um, to take him. And um, uh, and and um, let me see here, uh, I forget who went and saved him from the underworld. Someone saved him because obviously his story would have been over real quick if he just stayed there. Anyways, uh, eventually, eventually, is, is stolen by Gwendolyn. She gets it back. Who uses his bargaining trip to rescue Oswald from Odette? That's what. Um, who is in turn qu- killed by Gwendolyn? So the queen, the ruler of the underworld, is killed, and that causes more problems as other creatures can take advantage and start taking over the world. Uh, so, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. I don't remember how, but King Valentine at the so that's the you know there five stories intertwining, and in the sixth book, which is where you get to play any character that you choose. Uh, and starts wrapping up the story Queen Valentine has got the ring um, and again I, I forget exactly how it felt to his hands but the whole point is he's got it and he activates the cult. no wait a minute he never did get it that's right he just somehow this is a little, a little deus ex machina to me but he just basically was able to call the cauldron into awakening without the power of the ring because of reasons because he used to be its owner and he's a very powerful being so why not Uh, he activates the cauldron and he uses it to absorb phosons. Phosons are basically the life force. Whenever you kill an enemy they release a phoson. Uh, There's plants that release phosons and you usually use these to level up and power up your spells uh, and abilities. But this cauldron just starts sucking them by the thousands and it feeds the growth of levithin which is the dragon you fight a couple of times? Is this cute little tiny dragon that still has half its eggshell on its head or on its bottom. I don't remember, but he also wears the king's crown and it's way oversized for him. But after it gets fed like a bazillion fozons, you know, pumpkin grows up really quickly, uh, you know, and the such. And what happens next as the story ends? So there's five battles. You're looking at a kind of a boss rush mode, you have five characters. There's five bosses, and you get to choose the order that you're going to fight these bosses in. And how the story unfolds from here. Does Armageddon swallow up the world? Does anybody survive? Uh, Is there any story after that? Um, Or is it a sad, sad ending? That all depends on the order of the characters you pick, you know, to match which one up with which boss, so to speak. There is clues in the game, very... I won't say very, very obvious, but they're pretty dark. It's in the fables. It's there. It's there. And in case somehow you miss it, you'll go through and you'll probably get the bad ending like I did. And the game at the end will say, mm, there's some clues here and here if you read the fables and then it will open up. There's a place where any book you have you have come across or scroll you come across in the library, you can go and read those again. So it'll say, go and check out the library and get your clues. Of course, if you're super lazy like me, you know, then you just read up an FAQ. But there's there's a. That's why they're there. That's why they're there. Absolutely, and I will tell you, it was worth getting the bad ending, and then worth it getting the good ending, and if you do all the endings, uh, so uh, there's a there's a grid that shows you which. Which uh, endings you need to kind of unlock. Certain characters, when they fight certain bosses, there's nothing that's really said. It's just you go and you go and there's no interaction. Whereas other characters, when fighting that boss, will have uh, text and dialogue. So even if it's a bad ending, you you want to experience those. Uh, You might have to go through it three or four times. But the graph uh, that's in there shows you very clearly... What you have and you haven't done so far, so it's easy to fill out the rest of the innings. Once you've got the good ending knocked out, then go and fill out the other innings. You'll do a bad ending along the way, is just as 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 part of that uh, that package deal. Uh, and and then once you've done all of that, you'll unlock what's called the blessed ending, which is very kind of touching if you're romantic and stuff. Uh, it's definitely worth doing, and it only took me like a couple of extra hours to get that. So
3: did, did Shirley find it? touching or no surely didn't did, stick around
0: for it surely every time surely so playing this on the playstation 4 on an uh you know a, an led whatever the hell they're called tv every time surely would come by it's just such a gorgeous game you turn out the lights you just have the color saturated colors just pouring off the screen and every time she she come by my character would be eating something because eating's a big part of this game yes
3: it is i remember that
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and she's like, well, I'm hungry now. Why is it every time I come by, your characters are eating something? That's just wrong, you know. Um, yeah, it's
3: that's that's a big theme in VanillaWare. You're always eating something,
0: right? It, it, yeah, it is a big thing uh, in these games. But anywho, um, so that's kind of the story in a nutshell i know it's 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 a lot i'm throwing at you you got to go and experience the game for yourself because uh, there's definitely i cared about what's going on with the characters i cared what was even going on with the supporting characters um it, it was just it was really cool there's a lot of good motivations given to the bad guys it makes them kind of empathetic and the such and and people die this is kind of like a game of thrones type of deal uh and there's some meanings in some of the deaths and other ones were you know, well, they were doing selfish things, so they got a meaningless death. <laughs> so it, it, it's really, for me, I, I, I felt like the story was one of the motivating factors. Uh, I Every time there was a cut scene, because usually the, most of the story is revealed at the beginning of the stage and at the end of the stage when you fight the boss and then after when you finish the boss. Uh, and I listened to every single one. I didn't really skip, skip any of it, which is, again, saying something. For yeah, for usually... Pretty much usually...
1: Also pretty much like the rest of Vanillaware games, the story kind of smacked between the action bits.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And yet uh,
1: Vanillaware has a pretty good
3: knack for it doesn't necessarily make you remember the plot very well. I, I played Odin's Fear, really 6, it was, and I don't remember much of the detail, but I remember paying attention and being engrossed as it went on.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that's yeah. So that's that's definitely a story, definitely worth checking. I one of the things I forgot to almost forgot to mention. Oh my gosh! So you play each of these five characters one after the the other, and what's really cool is there's there's timeline. There's a timeline that you can always go and check out. So I did Gwendolyn first. I don't think it really gives you a choice. I did Gwendolyn first, and it'll show you know where Act One is on the timeline. Act two, her Act Two, her Act Three, Act Four, and then when you go to. Um Cornelius, I think, is next. It'll show you where the events happen. So you kind of have if you look at the timeline, you have kind of an idea of where his events happen time wise in relation to hers. And and that it kinda of helped me out a little bit, especially when the when their story started intertwining a bit. Uh, it helped me kind of put some of the links together. So I thought that was pretty neat. And you can go back and watch any of the scenes over again. Uh, I went back and watched a couple again because I kind of forgot some of the events that happened. The game makes it very easy. You can go back and watch any scene as much or as little, cut it off. You know, it, it's pretty well done that way. So that's pretty neat.
3: And I remember the presenta- The setting of it is you're, you're a little girl being told stories in... Uh, a bedroom right
0: yeah there's a girl yeah so you start off every time you boot up the game you're a little girl in the bedroom and there's a book on the floor and that is um, the first one is Gwendolyn's story and that's the only book that's on the floor once you finish her book another book appears you finish Cornelius's book you know the next one appears so uh, and you can go back and visit the other ones which I had to do because uh, I missed some of the hidden skills so I went back and cleared the, those out uh, so you can go back and, and revisit them at any time uh, yeah Yep, yep. A little manipulation kind of going on there with the sixth book, too, because the sixth book is the final battle books, essentially, the boss rush uh, type of deal. And then, then you unlock a seventh one, and it's it, it just... which What is that one for? I forget what the seventh one... Was it just for the I, ending? I don't remember. I think it's just for the ending. Yeah, it wasn't anything big, but... It uh, might
3: be something that crops up only in Leithrasir, because um, yeah, I don't remember a seventh book on the PS2 that could have been added, but my memories are not fresh
0: yeah yeah so but it, 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 it is su- it is super well done and and at first i i will say that uh you know we i pretty much have spoiled most of the main story i'll let you i'll let you see the endings because you really choose kind of the ending based on which you know how well you do or which order you put those last few characters in so i'll let you discover that for yourself and i'll let you discover the excitement of the blessed ending if you decide to unlock that because that was touching but um I forgot where I was going with that. I was going somewhere. Oh, the room where the girl is in, because she's clearly in like the real world and, you know, our more modern world or whatever. It actually does play a little bit of a role if you see it all the way through to the end. There is a a purpose for the madness, which I thought, again, was just brilliant. Just a lot of really good times. If you pay attention to the details, most of those things will pay off for you. So, yeah, pretty cool. So, so gameplay, side scrolling, beat them up. Five different characters, five different styles, right? Does somebody else want to talk about the gameplay for a bit, or you want me to keep talking about it?
1: I only played like an hour of it, like six or seven years ago. Fair enough.
0: I just didn't want to feel like I was monopolizing.
1: (laughs) No, go ahead. I... Again, my
3: memories are not fresh enough to say much here, except I pretty much agree with whatever you're saying here.
0: No, no, that's great. No, no problem. I can't uh, tell you how many times you guys have talked through games, and I'm like, wait a minute, I got a couple of memories here, and that's about it. Uh, So I'm right with you. So... Five different characters, five different styles, uh, side-scrolling, up with combos and the such. You start off with Gwendolyn, at least. Uh, I don't remember the original if I start off with Gw- or not, but I, I definitely start off with her with the, with the PS4 left-hander version. And she's really fun because she can fly, she can do air combos, she can pop enemies up in the air pretty easy. Uh, it, it's, it is so fun. You can string together all kinds of large combos. As you play, you unlock skills. You know, Which will allow you to do bigger combats and special maneuvers that, most, for the most part, take up um, uh, these points. Gosh, I can't remember what the points are called, Phoson points or whatever. The enemy dies, they release Phosons. Phosons are, you know, you have a, a meter or a little number at the top, and it'll say like 15 out of 15 Phosons, and they fuel your special, many of your special abilities. Other special abilities are fueled by what's essentially a, a power bar, or stamina bar. But the Fozon abilities are more for the more magical abilities, like an ice spell that can slow down or freeze enemies and such. Um, but as you are collecting and refilling your magic, there's a more permanent... Like, for every one of those magic points, you create a magic points you collect, you keep you know a Fozon point to spend on upgrades uh, or to grow plants if you need some more food or whatever have you. But for the most part, you use them on skill upgrades. And... Um, there's uh there's also passive upgrades you can spend that on as well anywho so she's super fun uh the second one is cornelius he is the the rabbit cursed creature the the puka or whatever and he uses or i forgot to mention gwendolyn uses a spear he uses a a, you know a sword that he has to use two hands to wield because he's so small and tiny uh and as such and he jumps up in the air a lot a lot of jumping around a lot of rolling in the air uh and he uses electricity she uses ice as far as elementals go then you get uh let me see here i believe it's mercedes next she has a crossbow and feels completely different the other two characters she's definitely more hands-off because you can sit back and just shoot something with with uh with with your crossbow over and over again she can fly as well she can hover in the air whereas gwendolyn has to pretty much keep moving she's constantly flying uh, now
3: I remember her crossbow. Act- doesn't she have a stamina so that you can't really spam it forever before you have to take a break?
0: Yeah. So most a lot of these moves are tied into that stamina meter. But for her specifically, her crossbow weapon is tied to the stamina meter. So after you fought so many shots, you have to you have to let the stamina bar recharge. But her mechanic for recharging is also different because with most characters, you just stop using it and starts recharging at a fairly quick pace. Within 5 or 10 seconds, you're you're fully charged on the stamina bar. With her, hers doesn't seem to go up nearly as fast, but if you simply land, she'll do this reloading crossbow action, which leaves her incredibly open. Uh, So you don't want to do it close to an enemy. And there's a skill you can use to speed that up and I think reduce the damage you you take. But uh, once she has that reloaded, the stamina bar goes up pretty much right away. So a standard like a big boss thing with her would be fly up in the air, because a lot of boss attacks tend to focus on the ground, where more, more characters tend to hang out, and that, uh, and shoot all your bullets fly off and land. And once you get to the groove of that, you just it's 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 actually pretty quick and pretty easy. And then go back and fire off some more. So yeah, uh, and 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 some people like I was talking with uh, Miss Anna about this, and she was she was telling me I'm probably playing her all wrong, all wrong because I'm just staying on the ground and working that way you can do that there's, there's nothing wrong and in fact on normal difficulty you'll probably be just fine uh, but i definitely learned and i probably did that at the beginning as well but i learned just to get used to flying and landing quickly which you can do with just a touch of a button the same button you used to jump you hold it i think when you jump to start flight and then you can let go she'll maintain hovering but then if you just tap it again really quick she'll just fall back to the ground let gravity take back over uh, and just like gravity do that rather than flying down purposely to the ground. It's very fast. And next thing you know, you're reloading really helps to pick up that skill, by the way, for the quicker reload. Uh, so she was a lot of fun. Then we get to Oswald. Oswald is super cool in concept, but gets super boring in execution. So he's got a berserk meter. And as he attacks people, it fills up. Once it's full, you can, you can activate his berserk mode where pumpkin does much, much more damage. It uh, takes down bosses rather quickly. It's it's a little insane, actually. With him, I was mostly focusing on the same two 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 or three stamina-draining moves. I don't even think I used his magic moves very much. They just suck in comparison. Um, where basically, you know, the, 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 a lot of the characters have some sort of combo where you can thrust forward and rapidly attack over and over again, kind of like Chun-Li's Kick. Uh, with him, it's his claws, uh, and they're very ferocious in the shadow mode. Well, I guess in non-shadow mode, he's using his sword. But in the shadow mode, he's he's attacking the enemy over and over with the claws, and he th- really thrusts forward in that move. The, the problem with that is it's very, very, very effective on the ground, but with airborne enemies... It's very difficult to manage because he pulls himself and propels himself so far forward, we're talking like two screens, that you'll just tend to pass right through those enemies. On the ground, when you're attacking ground-based enemies, he pushes into them and he pushes them back. He almost stun locks them. You just keep spamming that move um, and he pretty much stun locks them and kills bosses. Uh, but up in the air, it's, it's much more difficult. So it's very frustrating fight, fighting air aerial combatants. But it just felt like he was very two-dimensional. I didn't feel like I was getting really satisfaction. It was cool at first because it felt so overpowering, but then it becomes like a one-string, one-note song. Uh, I just didn't feel his other moves were compelling by comparison. So, eh. Uh, But then we get to Velvet. And Velvet is a character that some people, I understand, really don't like. Uh, but i enjoyed her she uses like this whip chain that has so all these wep- all these weapons in this game have glowing gems on them the the ciphers that are known to even be able to cut dragons and absorb the pho- phosons to make themselves more powerful her her are at the end of her chains and they can when she whips into people, uh yeah, but this chain that she's always carrying on her back and then she's got one in each end, she basically handles it very much like a whip. And uh and and it, it magically stretches to long distances when she needs it to, because magic. Uh but but her, her moves can be very uh, her moveset can can definitely move her all over the board. Um she can she can do a large area of effect attack. So she's really solid against when you're being swarmed by multiple enemies at the same time. She just opens up cans of area of effect attacks. Really, really great at that. Against bosses uh, she's a lot harder to manage uh, at least until I figured out her fire spell which I might spam over and over again. Uh, (laughs) It's a a little thing that she does where she just throws a fire. It's kind of like throwing an alchemy fire potion but it costs like six magic points and so it's pretty cheap and you can stack it so if an enemy is in a place where you can jump up and th- basically throw that on them, um, it, it does all kinds of damage. So it, that, that's how I pretty much manage bosses with her for the most part. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the five characters you'll pretty much be, be playing in the game. There's, uh, one of the things about Odin's Fear is that you unlock uh, the skills as you go along. Most bosses have a skill. There's usually one skill that's very easy to find in the dungeon. I mean, you practically run over it. But every every dungeon or section or whatever it's called, every map, has a hidden skill. I didn't realize this until, oh, three characters in. <laughs> because I'm dead.
1: So that's, that happens sometimes.
0: Oh, my goodness gracious. And here's the reason why it took me so long. And I want you guys to learn from my pain so when i play games that give me skill points to spend i like to hoard them because i'm always afraid from playing diablo i'm still scarred from diablo from like 1997 or whatever but but i'm afraid that if i spend them and i pick the wrong thing i'm gonna have to start the game all over you're gonna be locked into it thank Mm -hmm. you so, I'd rather get to the end of the game first, tough it out, and then when I see what the end game looks like, and I have better knowledge of how the game mechanics work, pump it all into something, try it for an hour or two, and reload the save game if I don't like it, right? Um, don't do that in Odin boys and girls. So, <laughs> because I would have discovered but I those. I thought you
3: wanted to challenge yourself.
0: I, I tell you, I, I gave myself a challenge. Gwendolyn, I thought Gwendolyn was just stupidly weak. No, 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 no. So here's the deal. You spend phosons to, uh, to buy skills and to upgrade them. Every time you do that, not only do you get that skill, but you usually get, uh, you increase your maximum phosons uh, that you can hold at once for spellcasting, as well as your attack power. And those attack power increases are significant. So if you do what I do, and you just hold them off, then you're gimping yourself. And, and the thing is even if you pick but, something that maybe but
3: Phil, you were extending the gameplay because it was taking you much much longer to get through scenarios.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was extending Gwendolyn by at least an hour or two of her eight hour story um, exactly. Uh, I was trying to get more bang for my buck. <laughs> um, yeah, don't uh, don't don't do that the, other, the, the thing is even if you spoon the points in the wrong area, the cool thing is you can always get more foeons. You can grind up to your heart's content. There's nothing stopping you from grinding on Phosons and and hypothetically maxing out every single skill. So, knock yourself out. You won't be too worried about locking your, your yourself into a corner with this system.
3: Wait a minute. It sounds almost like the development of your characters in this game is not rigidly strict.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. I know, crazy, huh? That and- is crazy. My approach was: you can unlock the level one of any active skill for you know thirty to sixty phozons, which isn't a lot. It's upgrading them that tends to cost uh, cost quite a bit, and the increases to the skill aren't super great for the extra phozons. Now they do give you extra attack power and the such as well, but point for point, you're going to get the same attack power for roughly every thirty to fifty phozons you spend in upgrades, anyways, regardless of how you go about it. So. Uh, I, my recommendation for people is grab at least the level one of every skill try them out and then with the extra phosons you're getting along the way pump up those skills that you find the most effective or the most enjoyable and, and that strategy worked just just great for me. But had I looked at that screen when I was actually playing Gwendolyn and you look at the, fo- the skill screen you'll see very clearly what the hidden ones are and the hint it tells you to find it in each and every world. Following that I was able to locate once I figured out that was a thing, I was able to locate eighty to ninety percent of the hidden stuff without using a fac. Certain ones I had to fac up. Um, yeah, there's one in particular that's just bloody evil. But yeah, so that's, that's pretty cool. That, that that system's okay. I'm not a huge fan of hidden required items. Technically, you don't need these skills to beat the game because the game gives you plenty of skills along the way. So I'll give it a pass. Uh, I was able to find most of them. There's only a couple that you really have to fac up if you. If you're a completionist and you just new trophies uh, or you just want that one skill.
3: Now, what I do remember from my time with the game is that pretty you're going to go through the same areas a lot just with different character. And yeah, they do play differently, but it starts to get a little old about the third or fourth time that you go through a certain place and have to fight the same boss again.
0: is your, your that mi- your experience? Yeah, your mileage is going to definitely vary on this. Um, I did feel i did feel kind of some of that just with oswald between him being the fourth character and his play style being so simplistic um but by that point i really had a good beat down uh on how to level up quickly and how you know what foods to eat to get those hit points up quickly we haven't even gotten into that and the crafting i need to do plus he was just so overpowered that i got through his chapter pretty pretty quickly i will say i felt bad did you did you have to do this for review way back in the day
3: I didn't have to, but I did review it.
0: I feel like if you had to do this for review and you were under the gun, I feel like it's definitely something that's going to burn you out faster because of those reasons. Whereas if you're like me and you just play a chapter here and then you go play another game, come back and do another chapter, that helps. You know, certainly. Yeah, the boards, the boards, yeah, you are going to areas that look the same. They'll mix a couple of little things out. They'll mix up the enemies a little bit or the secrets a little bit. You're still finding new recipes for the last character. A couple of little things here and there, but you're right. I mean, for the most part, you are kind of going through the, you know, there'll be a little bit different bosses. There's a couple of new bosses on the, the fifth chapter, for example. So they were trying their best to really get, you know, to kind of keep that feeling a little bit fresh while recycling a crap ton. So yeah, it's definitely one knock against the game. You feel like they could have done more variety if they put more time into it. The the backgrounds and everything are so beautifully detailed. The bosses are so beautifully animated uh, that maybe it was just going to cost them too much money if they made too many unique bosses. Plus, the bosses do have... Just about every boss has an important role in the story. You don't fight too many bosses that simply don't matter to the story. So that's probably another reason why you get some repeated boss use in there. Uh, it does all tie in together, but yeah, the the in between areas and the and the same enemies and stuff. You know what I you, I tell you what? If I see another damn blimp, though, I'm just gonna lose it. I hate the damn blimp. The blimp can die a thousand deaths. So one of the bosses is essentially a blimp driven by some crazy ass little dwarf things that throw bombs at you, and the blimp's always up in the air, which is really a pain for some characters who don't who don't do well in the air, like Oswald. Uh, and it has massive. AOE attack. So you're going to get up there, you're going to think you're about to, to get the, some damage in on its balloons just to have it do some electrical field attack or wide-range fire arcing attack, uh, and then you jump down on the ground to get away from it just to have it throw a, a whole bunch of bombs. I, I bet you on hard mode or something, that that must be insane, but it's, it's, it's not fun. It is not a fun battle. One of the cool... Th- oh, go ahead.
3: Well, I also remember from playing the original that Particularly when you're fighting the bosses, the PS two just wasn't able to handle the visuals and the slowdown was pretty damn noticeable.
0: No 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 no
3: that has been fixed more or less. That
0: is easier. See, the way see I have to correct you here, Mr. Finky. That that wasn't like slowdown, that was a game feature. <laughs> that was a game feature to help you manage the bosses. Cause I remember the PlayStation Two. I remember that slowdown. And I remember using it to beat, the, you know, like the dragon in the sewers and the such.
3: Yeah, that it, dragon takes up the entire screen. Isn't he
0: cute? And he coughs up all kinds of shit. I don't know what the hell he eats for breakfast. But he's like my cat coughs up fur balls. This guy coughs up metal chunks of shiz that he throws at you. And between it, him maybe taking he's up,
3: part tiger shark.
0: Yeah, yeah, something. So yeah, it, it could definitely bring a PlayStation Two to its knees. What's really funny is, is I got a PlayStation Four Pro, and there was still some slowdown. <laughs> <laughs> Odin Sphere is so awesome; it can bring a PlayStation Four to its knees. A PlayStation yeah, I was Four Pro. Ask if you
1: played the Vita version, because I've got that sitting on the shelf, but I haven't played it yet.
0: I, I I would imagine, just based on some of our Dragon Crown talk, that these that there has to be slowdown the Vita version as well. And uh oh, yes. and it's probably worse. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> probably worse than than Dragon's Crown on the Vita because the the creatures there is just are pretty darn. Of course, the Dragon's Crown is pretty big too. uh Let's see here. So one of the other things is when you're it's a side scrolling beat 'em up, but the side scrolling loops in a circle, and you'll see that at the bottom in the circle. The circle that you're running on will have exits, and the map will connect to other rooms and the such. So finding your way, doing some exploring, trying to find a hidden stuff sometimes is is kind of fun in that. And so the different, while it all kind of looks the same after a while, uh, there are different rooms, different hidden room placements. And there's just little surprises. If you stick with it, there are little surprises here and there, such as the occasional new boss or, for example, with Mercedes, there is a couple of boards where you're playing essentially a side-scrolling shooter like a spaceship shooter because she just flies and shoots and enemies are flying in all different directions and you have unlimited bullets in that mode because of reasons so
3: (laughs) and i also remember while wandering around these places you'll find a fair number of npcs who they don't fight you but they're just there to converse with and frequently they say some kind of interesting things especially in the underworld
0: yeah No, and and all kinds of hidden, uh, all kinds, stuff's just hidden all over the place in this game, I swear. It's just, it's a it's a collectathon's best dream come true, uh, and the such. So, uh, there's also, so another big component of this game is the item management and the alchemy. You can mix items together to create all kinds of different potions, from buffing potions to debuffs or poisons on the enemies to... Uh, elemental attacks that can freeze some of these potions can also have an effect on the environment to unlock hidden areas or blow away uh walls that are crumbling and such uh they're just you can combine the potions to make more powerful potions you combine potions you can make potions out of just about anything in your inventory bones and and other items and all kinds of stuff will make all kinds of of different weird and interesting uh potions that tempts you to just basically abuse these systems and see what you can get out of them. Uh, You can create some really, you know, especially with certain bosses, some of these potions that you can create will just turn those encounters into cakewalks. They can really make make or break uh, some of the bosses if you're struggling, especially if you're struggling with a particular character. Uh, See Velvet, because some people struggle with Velvet, and bosses. Uh, Just having the right potions on Velvet can make can make that a lot easier to deal with. So she can take care of all the little stuff with her move set. But when you get to a boss, you shouldn't have used a lot of potions on little guys, so you have the right materials to create some really good boss killing potions. And And when you use a potion, the game pauses, lets you open up your menu, pick out your potion, and you toss it. So you can pretty much spam those things. It's just finding the right opportunities to do them because if you're not careful, you'll throw a potion at an enemy. But he's already in an animation that puts him completely on the other side of the screen, and you've wasted your potion. So, then there's food. You'll collect all kinds of seeds that can be grown into different types of fruit by releasing phosons, and those fruit can be eaten directly. When you eat food, you gain experience, and you increase your maximum hit points. You can take those as well as some of the vegetables you find in other food elements that you can buy, like milk and shrimp and stuff. You can give them to the traveling chef, and he'll turn it into refined dishes with recipes that you find all over the world. That will really boost your experience and your hit points. And you'll need to do this because if you just simply fight enemies, you'll find out at some point the enemies' levels are quickly exceeding your own. You could go back and grind old boards or whatever, but that's boring. Odin Sphere allows you to go and eat up and. Get all the hit points and experience points you need and yum, it, yum. Uh,
3: you better go and eat because you will be pounded into the dirt if you don't
0: no yeah you will you will get punished Go so eat uh, yeah
3: you need to, you need to eat everybody, eat more
0: eat and more. As, and
1: as we've said you know the the food looks gorgeous and it will make you hungry <laughs> mm
4: hmm
0: yeah the, the, the whole thing i just i can't speak enough about the the graphics um. But let me see. Have we done everything with gameplay? We talk about eating. You get coins uh, on the ground. Some of them are currency to spend. Other other types of coins you actually save up to give to the puka chef, who in turn makes more food for you. So by especially as I you know got into later characters, I got into this pattern of seeing the chef every every other level and seeing the pukas the levels in between. So. Uh, to to really continue to maximize and then when I went for the boss rush mode I just took all the food I could find and um, just got my characters at like level 48 from 39 you know from all the food I had and coins I had so yeah
3: something you learn from Vanillaware games is that no matter how much you eat you always have room for more right I'm not sure if that's a lesson we necessarily want to impart to people elsewhere though
0: Right um, So let's see here Graphics, no matter how you play this game PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 4 or Vita Vita with its OLED screen Is a wonder to behold Again, mm-hmm. I can't speak as to the slowdown But I can I can imagine It must look great Because I played Muramasa on the Vita And it looks great And I played Dragon's Crown And it looks pretty darn good so, what do you say? Did you you said you played a couple hours on the Vita? Did it look good on the Vita? No, I didn't play the Vita. I played it
1: on oh. I, I played the PS2 on PS3 version years there ago. Go. There you go. There yeah. go. Help me. So, I would imagine
0: it looks really, I would imagine it looks uh, looks really good on the Vita. Um, oh, yeah. Because that OLED screen, the, because it is so color saturated, it's designed for an OLED screen. Mm-hmm. And 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 yeah, I can attest to that. It's just it's just absolutely freaking gorgeous. If you happen to have an OLED TV and you're that rich, it is, oh, it's phenomenal.
1: Vanillaware said that that was the reason they picked uh, the Vita to be the platform for Muramasa Rebirth was because of the OLED screen just worked so perfectly with that, you know, that art aesthetic.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it feels like on the PlayStation 4 that the graphics were... You know, we're just we're designed for the PS4 in mind. I don't know if they just found the original art assets, they cleaned them up. I think they, I think one video I watched said they cleaned them up really well. But they're whatever it is, they just did a a fabulous job. You will not feel like you're playing a PS2 game as far as the terms of the gorgeous. You know, these are 2D graphics, but they're just such high definition, high detail. You know, and the such. And for 98 and a half percent of the time, it runs at a silky smooth. Sixty, you know, frames a second, or whatever the hell it's called, really fast, really gorgeous, really buttery smooth. A lot smoother than it was on the PlayStation Two, uh, uh, even hey, with bosses. Ten yeah. frames
3: a second is pretty smooth.
0: You got ten
3: during the bosses?
0: Man, I need. I didn't even get that. I think I was down like two.
3: Uh, I don't think it got that. How about five? Five. Okay,
0: five. A All right, five. We'll, we'll settle <laughs> on five.
3: The, the big dragon in the sewer coughing crap at me. Yes, that got down to about five.
0: Yeah, uh, now I could you know we could talk about the di- some of the that kind of segues into some of the the differences. I can tell you that um, uh, that it has um, what's it called aside from the HD graphics we talked about. There's some little story tidbits in there. In particular, I do recall one of the ending scenes was tweaked uh, specifically for this version. One of the big additions it has, from what I understand... PS2 enthusiasts can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe I just missed this on the PS2 version. But it has nice post-game content, which is super important. Once you beat the game once, you can play New Game Plus mode. The New Game Plus mode has has isn't just the same thing at a hard difficulty level and higher levels but actually has different types of enemies or they have like elite been uh, mechanics to them different mechanic or different power to them some um, a couple of new bosses from what I understand because I haven't got that far yet in it but uh, uh and new items cuz the items in regular game only go up to plus 2 the ones in the new one go up to plus 5 and it gives you more of an opportunity to really play with all the skills some of the skills you got on some of those characters were at the end of their chapters so, you, you know, aside from the boss rush mode, you probably didn't get a lot of chance to experiment with those skills. But now you got a whole new Game Plus mode to just, you know, take it out on. Uh, this, is, this is the gameplay in this. Oswald aside, I enjoy the gameplay enough to put some time into the new Game Plus mode. And it'll be something that I go back to here and there just to kill a bunch of things over and over again. Because it is, for me, it was, you know, pretty darn satisfying. Uh, and you get oh by the way you can get higher level potions too I remember that in the new game plus mode Uh, not that you couldn't you can make a level 9 potion if you really tried um, with with the regular mode which is the max but here you'll find materials which are essentially the empty bottles that are already up to level 5 and 6 making it much easier to merge them up to level 9 to get some of those more powerful effects so and you'll probably need them because, from what I understand, things hit a lot harder. I know that the regular enemies were hitting a lot harder, which made it, I will tell you, like, in playing through the normal mode, it, it definitely felt, especially when I knew what I was doing and I stopped getting so Scrooge-like with my with my upgrade points, I it did feel like the it got pretty easy. So that kind of feeds into the repetition thing a bit. But being able to do that New Game Plus mode, and you can probably go and change the difficulty anytime, I think, but going to the New Game Plus mode was definitely really cool because you're You're getting something for all the extra effort you're getting new mechanics, new bosses, and higher gear, so hmm, oh, I music's mean, pretty re- good too.
3: I remember liking the music, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, really well done. I'm not really great at critiquing music and going into great lengths of who composed it and why I thought it was awesome, but I can tell you that I for the most part just you know really, really enjoyed it. And didn't I wasn't reaching for my iPad to turn something on in the background mm-hmm. like I do with some games. So, think that's about, I, I as you can tell, I really, I personally really, really uh, enjoyed it. Uh, I, I. Nah, you, you finish
3: a lot of games, Phil. People know that. About I them. know, right?
0: I'm just the game, the game finisher.
3: And you finish them after you've done everything you possibly can because you have loads of free time.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but that, yeah, just it's a lot of fun. I recommend it. It's got a great story, it's got a pretty good combat system. Yeah, there's some there's some repetition in it, but uh, I would I would point out if you're a fan of RPGs, you are probably a fan of grinding and killing the same things over and over again, um, and you know with similar settings, you know. So that's kind of RPGs in a nutshell. The difference here is that it is definitely action based. So for some, I can see that fatigue setting in a little bit faster or whatnot. Uh, and, I hey, I'm the turn-based fanatic. I, I love turn-based games, but I, I think... VanillaWare
3: t- does a great job with its action fair.
0: It does. I mean, the combos feel so solid here. Like, throwing together and stringing together 100, 300, 500-hit combo uh, is just bloody satisfying. One of the things that happens is, and you'll want to push those combos because not only is it fun and satisfying, but you get graded as you... Every board that you take on, you get graded on how fast you beat it, what was your highest combo, things like that. And it gives you an overall... Grade A, B, C, D, whatever. And based on that you'll get a bunch of goodies. So the better you do, the more coins you get. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Apps wants to join our call here as he's saying Cocabow Breaker. Hi, Mr. Apps. Hello. How's Welcome to our vanillaware fest. Whoa. I'm just wrapping
2: up Odin's Sphere. Sweet. The game I have bought three times and have not really played it all yet.
0: You need you need to correct that. <laughs> there is there is uh, there is a classic mode. So for you purists out there on your PlayStation 4, you can change the classic mode uh, and the such. Uh, and and you will see some of the improvements between the two just by doing that. Like one of the big improvements is, by the way, I forgot to mention, is the inventory is handled much better. I do like the the charm of the ring system in the original one and spinning things around in a ring was pretty fun. But when you're playing the same characters over and over again, it's a 40-hour game. Trust me when I say that what they came up with for the left-hander edition was definitely much better, uh, and made it much easier to to, to 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 make my potions and get through my items quickly. So, but yeah, you can—you you didn't
3: you, hear. This is a game that Phil actually finished and started doing plus uh, stuff on. What? I New know. game
2: plus. It's
0: like it's Hell Unheard is of. Frozen Over.
2: And it's not even Monster Hunter.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not even Monster Hunter. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh, alrighty, well let's uh, let's take a we're take a, a little break here. I need to hit pause, and we'll we'll go ahead and put in some music uh, before we jump into the next game or two here in the VanillaWare series. So hold on tight. We'll, we'll let you listen to some of that wonderful Sphere music. back we're ready to dive into Dragon's Crown. This is another 2D action RPG developed by VanillaWare, uh, published in North America by Atlas. And this was released on the PlayStation 3, uh, the PlayStation Vita, and the PlayStation 4. Uh, North America, PlayStation August... PlayStation
3: 4 is, the, is Dragon's Crown Pro. Pro.
0: yeah. There's a little editing that needs to be done here. Darn Wikipedia. Uh, but yes, uh, that came out a little bit Wait, later.
3: Wait,
0: I, I know. <laughs> did you
3: just say that Wikipedia isn't completely accurate in every regard? Uh,
0: I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, it must, be, it must be my eyes. You know what? It's not Wiki. It's my eyes. I'm getting old, and I totally... Anywho, the game was originally released in North America on August 6, 2013. The PlayStation Pro, Dragon's Crown Pro version, whatever, was released in 2018, not that long ago. This is uh, an action, beat-em-up, RPG, single-player, <coughs> multi <multiplayer coughs> <coughs> 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 Excuse me, my throat, something got caught there. Uh, a player experience. So, uh, uh, let's, let's... Before we talk about what I'm choking on... Let's, let's talk about the story of Dragon's there, Crown.
1: There was a story?
0: You know, uh, this is Grimoire one that I... a
3: warrior and you have to go beat up things.
0: <laughs> now, I think what's important is that this game is set primarily in the kingdom of Highland, the same fantasy world as Grim Grimoire and Odin Sphere.
3: What?
0: Taking place within a different time frame That's and location in right. the world.
3: Grimoire is a Vanillaware developed game. Mm-hmm. Oh my
0: god, the VCU. I love Grim Grimoire. <laughs> but yeah uh not that i you know i play both games and i never saw the tie-in myself before i read about it online so yeah. <laughs> if you missed out on that this where i was praising the story We well,
3: weren't looking for all the easter eggs that they put in specifically for all those people looking to complete the vanillaware cinematic universe
0: <laughs> good one vanillaware cinematic universe <laughs> Okay. I, I'm
3: eagerly awaiting the Muramasa director's cut that comes out and ties it in more firmly with everything else Vanilla Ware
0: has done. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the uh, the two hour interviews with each creator where he explains how it all ties in with the Easter eggs he planted in. That's awesome. Uh, okay. <clears> okay. <throat> <clears throat> The plot revolves around a legendary relic, the titular Dragon's Crown, and the quest to retrieve it. A mysterious coven of magic users with influence in even the highest levels of government seek the treasure and have used their sorcery to link long-forgotten ruins, dangerous labyrinths, and many other areas together in order to search for it. You take the role of one of six adventurers charged with retrieving the crown before those who would use it for their own sinister purpose. As well as search for treasure and riches of your own. There you go. Deep plot done. I, I will.
3: There's one element that's not precisely the plot, but I want to praise the narrator who takes you through oh, the yeah. very scenes. The, the yeah. narrator
1: <laughs> is awesome. He, he's the one thing that kind of keeps that keeps the the really plain Jane plot from being totally boring. <laughs> I
0: never seen anybody who took such a boring fantasy plot so seriously. He was really good. I will yeah, say
3: that that guy should read audiobooks because he's oh excellent. yeah,
0: mm-hmm. oh I would I would buy by the audiobook to just based off anyway,
3: and if you take him out, there's almost no other dialogue in the i game.
0: and I can help you out with this. All you have to do if you're wondering if you're wondering really how much this d- d- revolves around him, just you can actually at least in the pro version, you can switch your narrators to like the Valkyrie or whatever, have them read your lines for a while and they realize no, nope, the original narrator is much better. <laughs> <laughs> just just so you can say you did it um where i was i was praising the story in odin's Sphere b- b- before and how it really pulled me through some of the some of the more boring oswald moments and whatnot the uh, uh the plot here is largely forgettable and i found myself just kind of falling asleep and pressing the button to get past it so i could go beat something else up
2: which yeah. to be
3: fair it is very good at letting you do
2: yeah 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 i think i think i would like this game less if it had more talking to be honest or had or bothered with any more plot because um, i mean it's basically a it's basically a more fleshed out arcade game essentially mm-hmm. yeah yeah
3: wait i i remember all those people around the mortal kombat and street fighter two com- cabinets they were enraptured with stories of those games Especially Gauntlet. Remember how? Oh cool yeah, story was? deep story, <laughs> deep
0: lore to that. You had to really pay attention to the details to pick up all the nuances. It Ma- was really Mike, great. I
1: remember. I remember some movies made out of those, uh, out of Street Fighter and and a few other fighting <laughs> games.
3: <laughs> hey, I do too. I also remember that those movies had to create a whole bunch of stuff because there just wasn't enough in the games to straight adapt them.
2: I actually uh, like that wait.
3: Mortal Kombat movie.
2: Okay, no one's talking I'll, to you, apps. I'll
3: say the Mortal Kombat <laughs> movie is one of the better video game movies. How's that? It, yeah.
2: Yes, yes. Okay,
0: alright.
3: Street Fighter movie. <laughs> if I said that my uncle took me to that on Christmas Day, nineteen ninety four.
0: <laughs> alright, so so we're we're getting off we're getting off track. Sorry,
3: off track. Off track on oh, the oh, backtrack. Oh, just think of all the material there is for a dragon's crown
0: movie. Oh my goodness gracious. Stop it, Mike. <laughs> So, <laughs>
3: Wait, actually, there is material from what it borrowed from another movie in a certain boss fight.
0: Oh goodness! Let let us talk about the gameplay. Who wants to talk about the gameplay of Dragon's Crown?
3: I was a dwarf
2: and I beat the crap out of things. It was Thank fun. you.
0: The end. Um, I was
2: a, I was a sorceress and um um. You bounced your bosoms in, around uh, at the were, enemies. There were there was magic. There's <laughs> lots of magic. Oh,
0: there in. was magic, all right. All the guys well, drooling all over you.
1: If you were a sorceress, you had bountiful tracts of land then?
0: <laughs> yes,
3: correct. was <laughs> very correct. You, <laughs> I, I think the sorceresses run out of mana fairly fast because they have to keep some in reserve in order to keep from falling over, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you Something your, like that. You use your two magic spells, left side and right side?
3: <laughs> but, but the dwarf, he doesn't have it much easier... I, He has muscles on his muscles. How does he do
2: that? (laughs) Yeah, the the dwarf is kind of frightening in this game.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like his muscles are pulsating. (laughs) They literally
1: are. He has a
3: sledgehammer, and he hits things with it.
1: In Uh, in fairness, you know, the sorceress gets highly sexualized, but kind of everyone in the game is just... The art style of
2: everyone is ridiculously over the top. Like, everything in this game is just absurdly... Proportioned and just and sexualized. Do you forgot the uh, yeah? Refer
0: to mermaid screenshot exhibit A, (laughs) um,
2: (laughs) or the the spread eagle monk exhibit B. um, It's like um, sexualized fantasy fantasy painting the game,
0: right? (laughs)
1: Right. Sexualized fantasy Renaissance painting the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: But you know what? We can't take it away from the game. It has a distinct art style. We remember what this game looks like whereas so many other games we have forgotten. Mhm. So if you So vanillaware, you win this round.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you've played if you played the Dungeon Dragons arcade games which were released not that long ago on the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 and now the name's totally escape me cuz they're weird names. I'll have to look them up but um...
3: Shadows of Mystaria? Thank
0: you. That's one of them. Uh, and Tower of Doom, I believe's the other one. Uh, and they were I think they were sold as Chronicles of Mystaria as a collection. Anywho, if you played those
2: Did, did that did that come out on PS4? I thought that was on that was like Wii U and PS three and
0: three sixty. Oh PS3, Xbox three sixty Wii U Microsoft Windows. So maybe not on PlayStation four. My bad. Um anywho, if you've played those before. Or if you want to go further back and you've played Golden Axe then you kind of know what you're mm-hmm. getting into, though the, the gameplay here obviously is a lot smoother than that yeah. Sega Genesis well, Classic.
2: You do know, Phil, that uh, like one of the founders of VanillaWare worked on those Dungeons & Dragons games. mm mm-hmm. so,
0: Hashtag trivia uh, tip.
2: Yes. Clearly, I think it seemed like he wanted to make a sequel of sorts to those games, with his own art style, obviously. And he did a darn good job of it. Yeah. But, I mean, you can really feel like those arcade roots in this, like, he... You have to kill all the enemies in a room before you proceed. You get the classic, like, go this way, blinking arrow, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and and all that. Yeah, it's... it's... And
3: once you've progressed through the stages, you get to a plot point. I, I forget what that plot point is, but suddenly you can take the other path in the stages, which lets you go to the secret nasty bosses, including... Well, there's that gigantic freaking red dragon in the treasure cave that... Oh man! If you, tra- I tried to fight that thing in the treasure cave and watched as it, as I was doing almost no damage with each hit, and it was ripping me to shreds until I realized, oh, I have to get out of here. And it chases me through a hall, and then if you don't kill it, oops, you didn't kill it. You, you suck. That's not the word it uses, but that's what it means. <laughs> but of course, there is the most terrifying adversary you'll see in any game. It lives on a mountain of corpses, and it's. Direct, and you are directed to it by a magician whom its name may or may not be Tim. <laughs> You're going to make me talk about it? Mm-hmm. Does no one else remember this terrifying titan of terror?
2: I don't think I got to that. I only got halfway through it. Did they really put an evil killer bunny as a boss in this game? Yes, they did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, um, so this this is clearly a 5 out of 5, and any, anyone who says <laughs> poor things about this game is just wrong, because that's amazing. Do you have to defeat it with a holy hand grenade?
3: You can use a holy hand grenade, but it is not required.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, geez, so, that's so, awesome. So, Grums, I mean, it, it, it is to, not the it, only game to implement a holy hand grenade, then? That's fantastic. And, yes, it likes to
3: uh, spin around in a hurricane of death with I'm sure if Monty Python had been able to execute we would have seen.
2: Oh my god. Yeah that that totally like completely changes
3: my opinion of this game now. <laughs> yeah you you even get there when the narrator is instructing you you have two courses open to you will you take the will you take the safe and easier out or will you strive down the path to great danger for great reward.
2: <laughs> Love it. Absolutely love it. You you
3: saw this boss, right, Phil?
0: I missed that one. I don't think I got that far. I, you're going to find out how far I got when we get to the one section Ooh. that we're going to talk
2: about. That sounds ominous. Well, well yeah.
3: right, I can mention the final boss, too, because once you beat the final boss, you unlock hard mode, and then you get to play through it again, and if you beat the final boss on hard mode, you unlock extra hard mode, wow, that what a Eventually I figured out that wasn't much of a <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, the other thing we didn't mention is, unlike the other uh, Vanillaware games that have been like one player-controlled character on the screen, in this one you've got four, you can have up to four characters um, where you control your one character and then you can bring along a party of three other AI controlled characters to fight with you.
3: Yeah, for me, I would just, you'll often find just Skulls and a pile of bones in the dungeons, and you can pick them up and take them back to town and pay to have them revived. And then they're pe- they're they're understandably so grateful that you brought them back to life that they tag along and help you. Or
0: you can use the multiplayer feature. Oh, he went there. Yeah, oh, yeah. he went there. He did it. He exists, He's, Phil. He said. Discuss it. He said the import. Oh, oh, it exists, Mike. Take a little trip with me for a minute, if you will. Okay.
3: Wait. I, I think I remember something That the multiplayer is not immediately accessible, No no take like, a walk with I've me seen. Mike
0: Take a walk oh, with dude. me Mike Okay, you, 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 you got a game You got a game you're walking with me right? I want you to imagine a game From the creators of Odin Sphere and Muramasa Well known Well loved action RPGs With deep combat systems And everything else They want to create a game That evokes some of that but they want to bring it into multiplayer focus, right? So you're, you're going to have to give up some of that gameplay because you have four people cluttering the screen and everything else at the same time. But it's worth those sacrifices to play with other people, right? Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right? Other, yeah. Other people make everything, everything better, Everything better, right? 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 So, so you make a couple of comments. Maybe you make the story not so quite as exciting and everything because they're going to be playing with their friends anyways. What story do they need? They're going to be drinking. They're going to be having a good time, Right? That sounds awesome. Right? Yeah.
1: You might set up a date to play one, you yeah know, with, you, with one of your friends. Yeah. You,
0: yeah. You might yeah. You might even reach out to your friends at RP Gamer and say, let's get together on Sunday, let's do this shit. I got my beer, I we're ready to do this, right? Totally. But, but but why make it easy? Why do that? Why don't we just, I don't know, lock the fucking most important feature of our game behind some fucking famous arbitrary completion requirement that's like 7 hours down the road oh my I—that that is the most stupid design decision I have ever seen so you have to get past I forget which quest it is but I passed it finally but I didn't get to that quest till at least 7 or 8 hours in now you can get to it faster than that if you knew what you were doing ahead of time but as we all know I don't, have to, I don't like reading facts before I play especially when it's supposed to be an arcade beat em up why I would mean, I think to read a fact first? And there's nothing in the game telling you this. But 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 I decided to say that my good friend Mr. Marpenter, and we were going to get online and play a game that night. And I'm scratching my head, looking all through the menus. Where's the multiplayer section? Can't find the multiplayer section. I don't see where I connect to you, buddy. Looking for we, it.
1: So we we're looking all over the place, couldn't w- figure it out.
0: Yeah, it was like, where's Waldo? Except it's for multiplayer. Just couldn't find it. Right? Finally looked it up online. And it turns out you have to complete this fucking damn quest that's down the road. Again, you could probably get to fast faster if you knew about this ahead of time. But here's the thing about Dragon's Crown, and you know this, Mike. When you beat a board, um, which you know takes ten or fifteen minutes more if you shop and stuff like that, then then you unlock a quest for that board in the in the Adventurer's Guild. That should you clear said quest, you get another skill point, and skill points are pretty damn important. They're pretty useful. So you yes, feel?
3: because the skills allow you to build your character and allow your character to do certain things. Which, well, my dwarf, I was able to have him leap in the air and drop bombs that he pulled out of his armpits. I guess yeah, it's kind of handy.
0: Yeah, so sounds pretty awesome. I was doing every board twice. And one of them I had to do three times because I didn't get the, achieve, you know, whatever quest I was supposed to do the first, the second time around. So I had to do them all twice. So that's why by the time I filed... So when I sat down with Mr. Marpenter to play, I had not gotten far enough to unlock it. And that's where I found it out and realized I still had, you know, like six more missions to do when I read up the FAQ. And our whole night was shut because we didn't know this. Because who in the, in the right line... Locks the multiplayer of a multiplayer game behind getting through, I don't know, the first half or third or whatever of the missions. And you have to take AI companions along and they're stupid as nuts. They walk into traps all the time. The trap will just go on and off and they'll just continue to walk into it over and over again. They get in the way. They take all your good gear. Granted, you can touch them and make it drop it, but that's extra effort. But I mean, they're, they're horrible. They'll take your food. They won't give you back your food. They they love your food, but they, it's it, it's evil. It's evil. Vanillaware, shame on you, shame.
2: I but once you me. get here, once once you get that far, that the, the multiplayer is great and it's all groovy, right? No,
0: I got pissed before right? then. <laughs> I was too pissed. Ask poor 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 Mister Barpenter had to listen to me rant. This is the toned down version because I think well, how long did I go on for?
1: Yeah, we were we were griping about it for quite some time. Hours.
0: <laughs> uh, and here's the thing. I, I mean, personally, I, I, I think the gameplay is fine, but since it's forcing you and it's balanced around four players, so it forces you to take these dumb-as-nuts AI companions, it, it means that it's not nearly as compelling to me as Odin Sphere or Muramasa, which are balanced around the single-player experience. This is not balanced around a single-player experience. It clearly is balanced around a multiplayer gathering, which would be fine if they would let you access it at the beginning of the freaking game and not make you run with AI companions for, I don't know, 12, 16 levels in or whatever it was. Uh,
2: I think I I remember having this problem back in the day, and only it was like trying to do local multiplayer. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I don't think I could be wrong, but I don't think you can even do that. Really? Like right away.
0: Someone's, like, sitting right there. They can't even hit the start on the controller. Because uh, yeah, it, it, they... it, it, like, it looks like the D&D side beat beat-em-up, or, you know, if you remember playing The Simpsons, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, any of those side-scrolling beat-em-ups, the difference is mm-hmm. these games like the D&D one had levels and items, you know, so they're more RPG-flavored, but it's still essentially something you'd want to sit down, play with your friends, and beat the crap out of everything. That's what this game is designed for. Um, but to lock that behind, that, that, that mission requirement was just like uh it's almost as yeah, it's confusing weird. as monster hunter world's multiplayer decisions that they made. <laughs> just I, I saying. Mean,
2: the, the, the best i could think is they want people to like i guess learn all the ins and the basic ins and outs of the game before they go into multiplayer but it's, you know even then it's a beat em up the yeah, base well, ex, ex, uh, i know exactly uh, it's 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 obviously got a little more depth than your general beat em up but uh, yeah still uh,
0: so yeah we were we were pretty upset kind of ruined our night so if uh, here i'm not well, saying here's if... an
2: example of
3: the depth you when you come back you are guaranteed to have gotten a lot of stuff you found in each area and you need to examine each what piece of that stuff because you can't just try and use it immediately you have to pay it for someone to do a forensic on it and say ah well this is clearly a helmet that only valkyries can equip Sorry, you're playing a dwarf, so it's useless for you. You'd better go sell it after you just paid me to analyze it. And you get to do that after every mission, and there's a lot of junk. It goes by pretty fast, but there's still a, about oh, nine, 900,000 more inventory management than you usually get with a beat-em-up. How's that? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I usually just, I just sold anything that wasn't A or B ranking. Before I identified oh, and course,
3: it. Uh, and of course, each piece of equipment is locked off by level, yep. which is usually, do I want to hang on to this until I'm the right level? No, get rid of it right now. Or, oh man, that's that's A rank, that's S rank, I should keep that for the five levels that I have to wait until I can use it. Mm-hmm. When I'll probably have something even better.
0: <sighs> so, yeah. If you, I'm not saying it's a deal breaker But if you don't know about this particular Multiplayer restriction And how it works it's it, it's Especially when you want to play your friends It's a little frustrating If you know about it, you can probably get there In under 4 hours, maybe even 3 Just get through the boards as quickly as you can Take AI companions And get past the whatever mission it is I was level 17 Everyone kept saying it was a level 17 mission And they were right, I was level 17 when I got to that mission you might be lower level of well, you might be lower level if you just and you went straight through, but then you might get your ass kicked too. That's the opposite. I, I just got to it
1: tonight, right before the show, and I think I was like level
0: fourteen, about five hours in. Oh, there you go. So yeah, if you really, it's really, possible. Yeah, you can get to it to like three hours, four hours. <sighs> <laughs>
2: well, I'm trying Where to look it up. I'm trying to look it up, and it looks like local multiplayer might be available right away. Um, so. If that's true, I mean, that may have been like their focus from the beginning, and then I don't know, I guess shoehorned in online at some point. I don't know. It is is—it's quite weird.
0: It's, it's just a questionable design decision yeah. that just well, happened to tick us off and ruin our evening. Uh,
2: I, I mean, I think the weird thing about it is like you get the AI companions right away, right? So you'd think that that would, that would be the time where you can do online multiplayer and just replace those online people with real people, but... Guess that <laughs> No. So okay. Maybe they only did net code for the uh, mission, the back half
1: of the game missions. Ooh. Like, yeah, that's, yeah that's
0: maybe. Stupid. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Uh, so, something more positive. Uh, if you happen to have, so I had the drag. I had the pro version, but I also happen to have the the Vita version. It was actually a PSN plus game. So if you happen to download it during that month, you got it for free. Woohoo! And mm-hmm. And I didn't has...
3: download it during that month. I didn't get it for free.
0: Sorry, Mike. You um, should be.
3: It's all your fault, Bill.
0: I robbed you of
3: Dragon's Crown.
0: There is a... Me. It does have cross-save, cross, uh, cross save, and it works really sleek. I uploaded my save file to the cloud, downloaded it on my Vita, and was able to continue my game from there. So that's pretty neat.
1: The one problem with the Vita version is that there, when you get four... You know, you have a full party and you're fighting a bunch of enemies on screen. There can be some some nasty slowdown at points.
0: It's a design feature to help you with the bosses.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, it's, it's got that feature from uh, Odin Sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never found it to be too egregious, but you, you definitely notice it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, It was not at Odin Sphere on PS2 level.
0: No. Nah. nah. Uh, did, did we talk about... We talked a little bit about the art... And just warning, if you're playing on the vid on airplane next to little children, you might get in trouble. Don't just, play as the sorceress Don't play, don't the play sorceress. sorceress. And don't, don't just, put a
3: sorceress in then, your AI party.
0: Yeah, don't put a sorceress in your AI party. Uh, I I, pl- I played the wizard.
2: Maybe, maybe don't play as the dwarf either. It scared the children. Yeah, the dwarf
0: just the dwarf will just <laughs> scare them.
2: So what uh, am I supposed to play as? Don't don't play uh, the Valkyrie. Uh, don't play the Valkyrie. The, Have you seen her ass? The Amazon.
0: The, the Amazon. Her Archer is. lady is she El- Oh
2: god! The Archer, El-
0: Archer lady's okay. <laughs> so Archer is safe for the workplace, and so is Wizard. I feel like though, and the and the the warrior the guy, guy, yeah, he's just really, yeah, he's just he's just really disproportionate. But it's all metal, so nothing there. But yeah, that Amazon lady, holy cow! Talk about thighs and buns of steel. <laughs> I love what, about, the what about
1: the
3: uh the image of that nun i believe that guiding you along to the second part she's,
0: of the level. she's oh, guiding yeah. you all right i will point out though for people who point out is that that is the most infamous scene because you basically have this woman who's spread eagle on the floor and it's gotten that there was that was the actual source of some protest and such i will point out she is in full metal gear including a chastity belt she is totally protected nothing's going in or out of there so it's fine. And she's
3: injured. There's a reason that she's spread eagle on the yeah. floor because she she just took an injury to the leg. Right. That that is entirely
2: legitimate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean pain over she propriety. She just
2: took an arrow to the knee.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and then let's talk about the mermaid with the very strategic hair. <laughs> so just gonna say it's very strategic. As my wife pointed as she was walking well, through.
3: The other method would have been to give her the Little Mermaid seashells. And obviously Vanillaware did not want to encourage seashell use.
0: Mm-mm. No no seashells here. So uh, there we go. Uh, any, any. So, I mean, what, what, what is your... Uh, Mike, it sounds like you played uh, uh, further in Dragon's Count than the rest of us did. What was your impression of it overall?
3: Since I went into it expecting to be single player, I turning on the wireless on the Vita drains its battery faster and there aren't many people around here with Vitas so I just didn't even bother for the most part and I did get a fair amount of enjoyment out of it before I finally realized oh you're just going to have me go through the game over and o- these levels over and over again doing the last few quests that I haven't done in search of oh wow I you get achievements for doing all of those that's definitely worth it for a little while until you realize that achievements aren't the end-all be-all of life. (laughs) And the final boss is a real jerk. Uh, Oh, man, it's this gigantic dragon, of course, which likes (sighs) to fly in the background and shoot things at you for periods, and you have to hide in the foreground behind breakable objects, or else you're going to get massively... (laughs) And I was eventually able to beat it on normal, and then I realized, I don't want to go through this again on hard. This guy was enough of a pain in the ass on normal... I'm done. But I did enjoy it while it was there because each of the areas is very well drawn. If you poke around, you'll find little hidden rooms and little optional things and all of the all a lot of the optional quests that you can do make you uh, owl bears. You have to kill a certain number of owl bears. What the hell are owl bears? Well, they're exactly what the name implies. They're bears with owl faces. So yeah, I would recommend playing it. Just learn from what and Joshua went. Do not go in expecting that you can use the multiplayer immediately. You will be disappointed,
1: sorely disappointed.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you can—I forgot to mention—it's Odin Sphere. You can get that the uh, the PlayStation Four Standard Edition, which I would imagine that's what most people are going for these days. You can grab that for thirty-four bucks off of Amazon right now. Uh, Dragon's Crown Pro Battle Hardened Edition. Uh it uh I don't know, probably has something in it. But anyways, it's that got is a
2: steel book. Steel book. Nice. Yeah, I noticed.
0: got got that one. It's thirty eight uh thirty-eight dollars, but it's on Prime Day Deal, which we'll not get this edited before prime day deal is over, but it was only thirty dollars. <laughs> I've seen it on thirty dollar sales quite often. So but but normally it's thirty eight bucks according to Amazon. So yeah, some a couple cool things. Let's jump into Muramasa the Demon Blade. And uh, then there's Muramasa Rebirth, I guess, on the PlayStation Vita. But uh, this was a well, rich... that's what I played. That's what you played. There okay. you go. I Muramasa
3: Rebirth good. has some very nice DLC that is worth getting.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about it. it uh, let's, let's mention first, though, it was developed by Vanillaware and um, published on... Uh, on the Wii? On the Wii by... Inter... It says Entertainment here. Isn't that Ignition? Ignition. Ignition. Ignition, yeah. Ignition. Yeah. And
3: as you remember last time, Phil, when we were talking about what a great job Ignition did with ArcRise Fantasia's <laughs> localization, <laughs> oh.
0: just, I just. gather
3: that Ignition did nearly as well on Muramasa's original localization.
0: Mm. <laughs> we have uh, a Marvelous for the the Vita version. Uh, this was released originally on April 9th 2009. Um... Uh, Uh, in japan and north america september 8 2009 and then the playstation vita version was released in north america on june 25th 2013 this is a single player with no fake multiplayer tantalizing in front of you a single player action rpg experience and i will say the the you know how how many did any of y'all play the wii outside of myself
2: yes no ah
0: is that mr is that mr apps yes how, how much? How far did you play into the Wii?
2: Uh, pretty decently far into the girls' storyline. Mm-hmm. And I think... I mean, I played it, I think, years later. So, I mean, as soon as the Vita version was announced, I was like, okay, I'm just going to put this in storage and wait for that version.
0: Uh, Momo Hime, I think is it's pronounced. It. Momo Hime. Yeah,
2: Momo Hime. Uh, which yeah. color Momo?
0: Anyways, uh, <laughs> I will say... I will say, like, playing this on the Wii... The the Wii the Wii never really had great visuals, especially since I, I I feel like my HD television came not long after the Wii, and the Wii and HD television is just not a great combination. Just doesn't look great. But uh, but this game just just like all the VanillaWare games, somehow yeah. it was just like what when I saw this on the Wii, uh, and I was just like, wow, such beautiful graphics on the Wii, and I'm just like, why don't we get more 2D games? This is just gorgeous. And then I said the same thing again when I got the beta version. Just just a gorgeous, just just the first thing yeah. you know. notice when, when you turn it on. But, all right, so who wants to talk? Because there is uh, some significant story to Momo and Kusuke. So who wants to talk about stories? And... I don't remember any of it at all. Woo! I,
3: I can give it a go, actually.
0: All right, go ahead, Mr. All
3: right, so Momohime's story, which you learn gradually, is that Momohime is not alone in her body. Her body has been taken over by this now deceased, but still in spirit form guy named Jinkuro, who is an amazingly competent and effective swordsman, naturally with an overinflated view of his own skills to the point where he will literally try to take on hell and heaven in order to keep going. And Jinkuro's characteristics, well, he's just trying to get his he's trying to get the body he wanted back because his original body is dead and Momohime got in the way when he tried to take on a new body, so he stuck with her. And Momohime's personality gradually comes forth a little bit because occasionally she pops out in spirit form and a lot, And Kuro just kind of allows her to do that because otherwise it's just really a pain in the butt if he has to keep fighting her down all the time. And her storyline climaxes with a fight against the deities guarding the Buddha because Jinkuro just cannot accept the idea that there are limits to humanity. And I am glossing over a lot of it because half of the fun of this game is going through the gorgeous areas. Mm
4: -hmm. But
3: the way it is told is very interesting because you don't learn this immediately. You're just kind of thrown into Momohime's storyline and you're fighting things and you're running, what the hell is going on here? I don't know. And that's also the same for Kisuke's storyline, where, of course, he has amnesia. There is a pretty good reason he has amnesia, though. And he has amnesia and is being attacked by ninjas. He appears to be an ex, a very, very recently ex-ninja of the same clan. And by gum, he appears to have reneged on something. And the penalty for reneging is death, most ninjas. But he is just such a skilled ninja that he kicks the ass of everybody who tries to beat him up and take him back. And eventually you learn, ah, he doesn't remember because he was at the point of death, and this swordmaster spirit took him over and grafted onto his already substantial skills considerably more. And he has attraction to, oh, I am going to remember her name eventually, but Uh, Torihime, I think.
1: Torihime, yeah.
3: Yes. Who has a fairly annoying boss fight where she's riding a horse that uh, could charging across the screen and you have to keep catching up with her. And he he's attracted to her and eventually he just decides, well, I'm going to help her out because of course she eventually has to go up against the Shogun who is possessed by a gigantic evil dog demon. And he eventually kicks the butt of the Shogun, but he wasn't quite able to save Torahime until of course you unlock the alternate endings because this is a game with multiple endings and the alternate endings change things up considerably. The first alternate ending you can unlock for each of them has them fight the other character from the other storyline. And the second alternate ending, uh, let's see here for Momo Hime, it actually involved Jinkoro being compelled to accept that he's dead and not getting a new body and, yeah, I wish we had recorded this a couple months ago when everything was completely fresh in my mind. But
1: <laughs> yeah, it would have been like five years ago for me.
3: <laughs> but I can I can say that the story is interesting and I was always interested in seeing what happened and the way it's told is also interesting. And I guess we haven't even mentioned George Kamitani because he's the director of Vanillaware and he also seems to script everything for the Vanillaware. So he should probably get a lot of the credit here.
1: He's also the one who, who who does the basic art drawings, right?
3: I'm not sure about all of the art. Uh, well, I mean, obviously he didn't draw everything, but, he's, right, the, but
1: you know, he's doing the basic art designs too, I but think. You,
3: but you see it when you, start to, when you look at the credits that he's the director and the script writer, which is quite a bit of work to take on for these games.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's part and of the th- reason why their games the... take like three or four years between releases. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Though, honestly, when they turn out this... Exhilarating to the eye, I think, is
1: a
2: good way. Yeah, it. That, that's actually a fantastic way to describe this game in particular.
3: And we'll, we'll talk about the Genroku Legends DLC soon enough, because apparently George Kamatani has always wanted to input extra stuff into the game and wasn't able to with the Wii. And then with the Vita, we have DLC portions, which I will describe because they are worth experiencing, even if not... Well, all right, the main game. Kisuke and Momohime. They must kill many, many things. Correct? Yeah. Correct. And they do it with swords.
2: Lots and lots of swords.
3: Swords
1: which can break. Yep. Temporary. When they take damage, yep. And that's where you get Muramasa, who the 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 what would you call him? Was he was he damned to spend all of eternity making swords because he was always searching for like trying to make the perfect sword, I think was what he what, what the story bit was about him. But basically, yeah, that becomes a big part of condemned something like that. But that becomes a big part of the game where you're like collecting up. What was it? Spirit. And there were like two different two different uh, things you had to collect. And then you would uh, take them and you would have this gigantic uh, grid of different uh, swords that you could make. And you you were kind of working your way through them. You know, like making different ones. Like, you would have to make one sword to be able to craft the, you know, this other sword down here. And each and of if, them, if like. If
3: you've started with a certain character, then a lot of swords will be blocked off because they require that swords only the other character gets be developed also. Well,
1: they also used it to kind of like lock off areas of the game. Like, you would have to get a certain sword to be able to get past, uh, to be able to break a barrier and move on to certain other uh, areas of the game.
3: And that sword is found in the next boss. So until you Mm -hmm. kill that boss, you can't move anywhere else. Well, all right, let's... The regular enemies in this game look awesome, and it's always fun to rip them apart.
2: Mm -hmm. There's a real great... I guess the best way to describe it would be weight to the combat. Like, every hit, you really feel. Mm -hmm. And it makes everything just extremely satisfying. I just want to
3: go into how... Go ahead. Each type of enemy is distinct, and some of them you see a lot more often than others. You see ninjas a lot, and you don't see the the Tengu things that fly around and are really annoying because they fly as much, or those stupid freaking poison butterflies. Remember those?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but each of them looks awesome, and let's just say it again. They look awesome, and each area looks just. Dis- and we haven't really mentioned it yet, but this game just oozes feudal japan it yeah. looks feudal japan it feels feudal japan the dialogue is of all is all in japanese and honestly by the standards of japanese audio it's pretty good because you can tell some of the voice actors are putting more effort into it than you get with a lot of you when they just voice an, a nothing part
1: yeah it's set in edo era japan and it's also done like the art style is done Oh god, I can't remember the name of that art style, but it is done in that period style of art, and it just looks, you, you know, like you're 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 battling in the scenes that are in the uh, the fields, and the wheat is kind of like swaying in the background, and oh man, it's just all <sighs> and so dragonflies
3: are buzzing along over the yep. fields, or certain other fields are at twilight, and you can tell there's the red glint on the, the field. <clears throat> or the waterfalls and the rivers and the caves and the beachfront or the jungles with when you get into a fight in the jungles you can if you strike in the right place then you'll hack the bamboo behind you in half and it comes tumbling down
1: it's kind of funny that you know like it's not to say that the the story isn't good but the thing i remember most about that game is the visuals and the images from it that that's the part of it that sticks with me even years later I don't even remember which boss it was. I still remember fighting... Fighting that boss where he's so huge all you can see in the screen is his foot. And so <laughs> yes, you're just whacking way. against his foot until you finally do enough d- I can't remember if you do enough damage that he falls down and then you're able to hit his head or if you're able to like get up into the clouds and actually attack him. No. I still once, remember once that it, boss
3: battle. Once you knock down his life his first life bar, then you get to, you jump on his foot, he bumps you up into the clouds, you fight him up there for a little while, and then you either get belted back down, so you have to fight his foot again, or you beat him up enough that his true form of the big, ugly warthog pops out, and you get to beat on that for a little while before he comes back.
1: Yes, that's it. I remember the warthog. <laughs> and of course, an awesome you, you got to
3: watch out when that foot comes swings out of the screen, because that means it's going to kick you. <laughs> it may not sound like much, but when a foot
1: bigger than you kicks you, it hurts the the scale of everything in that game was just fantastic. There was also a lot more like platforming in the game than, yeah, uh, you, you know that I remember in any of the other. I don't, I didn't, I don't remember much from Odin Sphere, but I mean this one had quite a bit of platforming that you had to do as well.
3: It did, but it didn't have any bottomless pits or anything annoying like. Nah, no, it was pretty.
0: No. It was pretty min- minimal. I mean, the biggest platforming maybe came in and was just finding some of the hidden rooms. It wasn't.
2: It was pretty minimal. And you move so fast that. Um, all the platform just goes by really quick.
3: Mm-hmm. Now I gather that on the Wii there was no jump button. Is that
2: right? Uh, oh, it's don't been remember. Been a while. Yeah, but I think you may be right. I think you just like pressed up to jump. There, I think there is a jump button on Vita, which mm-hmm. I is, is nice. I think the idea was uh, to so you could just play it with uh, the Wii Remote.
3: Yeah, which. By the standards of forced most forced motion controls, that was fairly minimal. But it was—I still prefer a jump button to pressing up to jump because then you're going to get you're going to mess it up when you're trying to do something else. It oh,
2: happens. for sh- for sure, especially in a game like this where uh, you want to be pretty precise in combat.
3: And, and you'll find items on the screens, and you'll also find souls, which are the things that you use to power up your swords. And you have spirits which you mostly get by eating things. <laughs> and I hope you like seeing your character eat things because you'll get to do it a lot. You get to go to into a restaurant and mm, here's some here's some shrimp tempu. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, this is good. Yum, 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 yum.
1: Oh, that's I delicious. Mean, I mean, they go to the they go to the lengths of like showing you like taking bites out of it.
3: Yeah. And you you don't eat it in one go. You You have to keep pressing the button to take further bites out of it. While whoever your companion is for this adventure will chime in. That that looks really good. No, thanks. I don't want any. (laughs) And I'll give it this. It does look pretty good based on what you're seeing on the screen. Of course, everything in this game will be good.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You could say that.
3: We talked about the giant foot boss. We talked about Torahime on her horse, dashing around, shooting arrows at you. How about the gigantic freaking ninja with the shuriken that is as big as he is. <laughs> or, oh, yes, one of the later bosses for Kisuke, the freaking dragon. that He looks like a Chinese dragon, and he'll just go into the background and start shooting lightning at you, and you can't do anything about it because he's invincible while doing that.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> the game had some really awesome boss battles.
3: Every uh, boss looks... Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what the hell is his name? Uh, Tsuchigumo, the spider boss. He looks like a decrepit old crone of a spider, and as you fight him, he keeps dropping more spiders on you. (laughs) Or when Momohime first goes to hell, and you, yes, hell looks awesome. Those, I never expected to say that, but look at those gorgeous backgrounds where the souls are just shuffling along in the flames. And then you fight the, the gigantic demon boss that at first swallows you, and you have to beat your way out of its stomach. And then when you get out, it constant. you have to get out of the way and deal with all these stupid little demons that keep getting in your face and trying to push you into the past. So that it will do something huge that will just tear you up. Or then you go and fight Raijin in heaven, the uh, generously endowed God of thunder. Not no memories of the extremely generously endowed God of thunder. <laughs>
2: no unfortunately
3: him. well she's she's generously endowed let's just put it that way
1: <laughs> well it's still George K- Kamitami <laughs> yep.
3: and uh, yeah this is this is also the game where you get to go into hot springs whenever you find a monkey and it regenerates your mana and you get to sit there in the hot spring while Kisuke has a little towel around his waist and Momohime is just kind of covering her
0: holy bush. cow you weren't kidding! Oh my <laughs> God! I got curious. I googled her up. I can't unsee this now. It's 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 burned onto my brain.
3: I uh, all right, Phil. Share it so that everybody else can refresh the memory.
0: Oh my goodness gracious! Why would I want to scar? I like Marvinder and Apps. Why would I want to do this to them? I just I don't I don't. I don't think I'd want to do that for them.
2: Well, now I'm curious. Come on. Sure. Oh,
0: okay, I tried to. I tried to warn you guys away. It's in Skype. Oh man, that's just oh. Good oh grief. boy, that's <laughs> what monstrosity.
3: There, there she is. Man, why do don't you see I what remember? I meant with generously yeah. endowed?
2: Oh yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. okay. Okay, uh, I oh. Okay, oh.
1: and,
3: and after you do enough damage, she um, falls down on the ground for a second and just seems to have an owie on her butt.
1: Yep, oh, yep, I see that too. Yep,
0: yep.
3: <laughs> yeah, th- there it is. Just look at the uh, the seventh image on that link. Yeah. There she
0: is. Oh, that's 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 horrible.
3: And yet, of oh. course, she's gorgeously animated, and you can't really pay that much attention to that, pausing the game, or she will make you dead. Let's see, there's some... Each and every boss is... What the hell is his name? You're, he would he was Momohime's fiancé oh. until uh, Momohime was taken over by Jinkaro and then you have to fight him, and he's a jerk because he really likes to block you and tear into you with unblockable moves until you break his sword, and that only lasts for a little while before he, he becomes an even bigger jerk. I can't remember his name right now, but... Yuki Nojo? Thank you. Yuki Nojo. You probably remember him as, oh, he's that samurai who was a jerk to fight.
1: I think he shows up in both plot lines, if I recall. It's been a while. He,
3: do, he does, but you only have to fight him in Mohime's. Mm-hmm. For, uh, Kisuke's final battle is against, first, the Shogun, who appears to be taking it completely easy because he never gets up. He's always sitting on his freaking dais throng, whatever the hell it is. And yeah, he pulls out ghosts and throws them at you and cuts at you with a sword but he never gets up until you've finally beaten the crap out of him and he reveals his dog form and then all hell breaks loose pretty much there's a gigantic dog casting out horrible black seals of undead souls that like to try and tear you apart around him while he's he literally slashes the entire screen when he
1: attacks you And see, like, this is one of those things where my lack of knowledge of Japanese history and mythology probably, I I feel like that's probably, if you were more steeped in it, is probably filling in some of the holes. Like, I was reading, I, I was reading about that, that particular Shogun, like, part of the reason he would be the, you know, he has that dog Form was because that Shogun was like renowned for um, like one of the first things he did when he became Shogun was he set this law that made it impossible for people to kill dogs like he was a huge dog lover. (laughs) So you know like they're 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 pulling that in, (laughs) and I'm I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff in the game that's doing that that's just going totally over my head because I just don't have that sort of depth of knowledge of the history.
3: Yeah, I'm. Mean, when you go on that boat ride with the fishermen, I'm pretty sure that's uh, almost a copy of the famous woodcut of the wave. And I can't remember who did that woodcut, but you can yeah. see it there as the wave mm-hmm. splash along your little boat.
0: Yeah, that's that's all really fascinating. But can, can we just go back to Kusuke for just a minute? Can I ask? Because I never I never got to fight her. Does she crush your head with her thighs as, like, a final attack? Because have you seen her thighs?
3: Uh, she uses lightning, and she spins around with a whole bunch of shields that pop up and also spit lightning at you. Mm. And like every boss in this game, you need to pay attention and get the hell out of there when she's winding up for something nasty. And she doesn't give you a whole lot of warning time because this is a game that, require, that expects you to be paying attention and not just mindlessly mashing buttons.
0: So she doesn't crack your head like a walnut. (laughs) (laughs) No. With her thighs, because that's what they look like they're designed to do. Well,
3: not that I saw. Maybe buried deep in the game's code is a hidden feature that gives bosses extra abilities. Fair enough. That's a maybe, though.
0: All right, back back to what you were. Fair, Fair enough. All
3: right, so... In combat, you have three swords that you switch between with the press of a button, and you want to do that because each sword has a different special ability. But if you constantly use your swords, they will ever so gradually wear down, or if enemies use certain attacks, those will really wear down your swords and break them. And if you try and fight with a broken sword, you're not going to do much, because normally if you just button mash, you can actually survive. You'll just automatically parry most of their attacks but once your sword is broken -uh, it's all coming straight through and hitting you and what do you know the game expects you to pay attention oh oh dear here comes another one of those annoying cool looking those ninjas flying on the kites but they are annoying when they drop bombs and if you manage to be there as you kill one of them it explodes because these ninjas like to try to take you with them when they die and they explode in a hail of bombs that will break your swords (laughs)
1: <laughs> that. i remember hating the bomb a whole lot <laughs> yeah
3: or or the gigantic demons remember those big red and blue oni things that are incredibly hard to stagger you have to hit them a lot before they finally step back so that you can get a break
1: Mm-hmm. and, and the gameplay was split you had the two different kinds of blades you had the the, like the short blades and the long blades and the long blades did more damage but were slower to use and the short blades were you know much quicker so i remember usually like having like a like a balance between the two depending on you know depending on what you were doing
3: yes definitely and when you need to heal there there aren't there are some items which you can just eat indefinitely but other stuff you get full and until you until your belly is empty you can't eat anything else to heal so again you kind of need to be paying attention and don't try to eat a whole bunch of peaches in a row because you can't Uh, peaches or broiled chicken or roast pork or wine wine. sweet potatoes yams oh yes the the wine very important to have the wine even though it doesn't heal you that much (laughs) And I love the little gag enemies. Occasionally you get a boar that pops in on the screen or a pheasant, and they're incredibly easy to kill, but they always give you food when you kill them. And that's another thing about the, the recipes. You gain more recipes as you run around the the land, allowing you to make more food dishes. And for most of them, when you cook them, you get to watch slowly. Oh, I'm, I'm roasting this potato, and it's... I get to watch as I put it in the leaves and the leaves heat up and the potato and the sweet potato changes its texture and color as it gets cooked. And then I pick it up. Here we go. Got a potato. But that, that is not instantaneous.
1: Yeah. Don't you have to like tap the button each for like each step to happen? Yep. (laughs) Like I've never seen a game that put that much effort into, you know, try, trying to make all all the cooking and eating.
3: (laughs) Well, Dragon's Crown actually did that. We forgot to mention this. It occasionally pops up where you and your party are enjoying a hearty meal around the campfire. Gather and gather and feast well, because you will need your strength when next you enter battle. And it makes it into a timed me game of, here, let's... How how quickly can you fill the the soup bowl and feed yourselves and then fill the soup bowl some more and eat some more? I swear there's an achievement involved with that. But it's, it's the same thing in Muramasa, where... It, in the restaurants, here's my here's my buckwheat soba. I'm gonna eat it in about six strokes, where you have to press the button to see each piece of the meal gradually disappear. I think George Kamatani really, really likes food for some reason.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've played it more recently, Mike. I remember this being probably the best of those of the Vita games in terms of performance. Like, I don't remember a lot of slowdown, but may, my memory might be fuzzy.
3: I don't remember much either. Even during the really frantic boss, like that that Shogun who turns into the dog, there's a lot happening on screen, and yet I don't remember it having any performance issues.
2: Yeah, I, I don't recall anything either, and I think. Could just be the benefit of being like developed exclusively for the Vita. I wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unlike all... our
3: earlier games, this one is Vita only. Yeah, and it is definitely worth getting if you have a Vita and you want to play something on it. Get this
2: game. Oh yes, mm-hmm. it is uh, stunning visually, like absolutely stunning.
1: Doubly so if you're lucky enough to have the OLED Vita. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. And we haven't even touched on the sound really, but. Not only does the music sound 100% Japanese, it uses tons of instruments that you probably don't hear that much because they're Japanese, but the music is really good in this game. Most of the areas, you'll have two tunes, one that plays while you're just exploring, and a second re- remix of it that plays when the enemies pop out. And particular, some of the ones that really stick with me are the palace theme. Remember when you're exploring those gigantic palaces and running along their roofs and inside the corridors? That's just a really good music track. And a lot of boss themes are very good also.
1: It, yeah, like the Dragon's like going back, sorry, backtracking slightly to Dragon's Crown, like the music was just kind of like, you know, it's, eh, it's all right. But the music in Muramasa was fantastic. I was like watching YouTube videos today to get ready. And you're just like, oh, man, the music is fantastic. I'd forgotten how awesome it was.
3: And there's a huge variety, too. Yeah. Every area has a, a distinct theme. When you get close to the end of Momohime's and you go into a gigantic monk temple, you just hear ominous monk droning in the background that takes over the music track and really sells you on the atmosphere of the place even more than all those freaking poisonous butterflies or <laughs> or those freaking annoying monks, the monks who like to jump up and try to spear you with their staffs that break your swords of course. <laughs> And also, when you're fighting in the monk area, there are lots of cages hanging from the ceiling, and as you fight around, you can just cut them loose and they'll fall onto the ground. More gorgeous detail to the scenery. And have we said this game is gorgeous yet? (laughs) Yeah, we kind of come back to that. Once or twice. I don't think it can be said enough.
1: Probably not. It's just dumbfoundingly beautiful. Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
3: I showed it to my dad, actually, and he, because my dad has aging eyes, wanted to see it on a big TV screen. But, yeah, I can kind of understand that, but it looks so amazing on the Vita.
2: So it, you can play it on the Vita TV, and it still looks really, really awesome there, too.
3: That is true. That is true. So, combat is really fun. It uh, Every time you start the game, you have to choose between... What do they call it? I think they call it something like casual, and then there's legendary. Casual is some forgiveness. You will, you can get your butt kicked, and you will, but that will just send you. You won't even lose anything if you die in casual. You just get told, you just get sent back to the last save point, but without. No, if you lose against a boss, you don't even get sent back to the la, the last save point. Is the room before, so you don't even lose any progress. You even keep whatever experience you just earned fighting the boss and i just remembered fighting those gigantic
1: centipedes with kisuke ooh it, man the centipedes yeah i remember them where they just takes crawling a while all because over they're the huge yeah they're and crawling all where, over that village
3: <laughs> that was where i got my i suddenly learned you can get an achievement if you hit the max for combos <laughs> because you'll just be hitting these things so often that you'll probably get up to 999 hits in a row and bam achievement unlocked
1: well that was axis doing that with their 999 <laughs> They did that for a while. Every game they did, they put out. They would have a nine-nine-nine achievement in it. <laughs> oh, Mike, you you played you played both. What was the was there a big difference in the uh, in the localization between the two?
2: Yes. I only ever played the Vita. Uh, I couldn't really give you any specifics, but yes.
3: Are you saying <laughs> yes, Ignition did upheld its usual standards on the Wii?
2: Uh, I mean, it was no Arc Rise Fantasia, but uh, well, yes. few
3: games in this few games in recent years are. Yeah, I, I bland I think is a word that's used to describe that localization. Does that sound about right?
2: Yeah, that would certainly fit.
1: Yeah, I'd always heard overly literal.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds
2: like sounds like yeah. ignition. But I mean, it was it, it was adequate. I would say, adequate. Whereas Archive Fantasia um, was frightening. Well, <laughs> in Archive Vita... Fantasia case, it actively took away from the experience. Yes. Yes. I mean, you still got the general idea things, of things in Muramasa. The action was obviously great. Everything else was fine. It's just, um, just a little lacking, yeah.
3: Well, the localization is considerably more than adequate on Vita. Uh, if you know any japanese you can probably pick up that it's not being strictly literal and that's for the best when i remember near the end of kisuke's he's telling the shogun even a hair on her head i'm gonna cut you into so many pieces that you'll ever be able to bury you something like that which i don't think you can say that precisely in japanese but it sounds pretty darn good in english
4: Mm -hmm.
3: and this is a much better localization because it's actually fun to read
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I probably stopped even like paying attention to the story at all in the original Wii version, whereas I actually read and paid attention in the re-release, and it was great. So, uh, I mean, if so, yeah, if you if you have like a choice between playing these two versions, the answer is pretty obvious. Get the
0: Vita, just in case yes. you can read between like, yes. The Vita, get the Vita.
1: Let's see what
3: else is there combat. You know, oh yeah, and you have items that can replenish your sword's life force. Although if you're fighting something that is really good at breaking them, you're probably better off just not trying to take it on directly rather than using all of your items to re- repair your swords and then having them promptly broken again. <laughs> and let's see, there are the caves of trial, or trial caves what a lot of them are only accessible after you get to a certain point because they're blocked off by more of those symbols that keep you from getting in without a certain sword level. And you get some good things out of them. But mostly, especially for the better, the later ones, they're just about, I'm so awesome that I can get through these gigantic caves with huge waves of enemies that just keep coming at me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Let's see. There's one where you're fighting Yoshi, Yoshitsune? Yoshi the samurai alongside a bunch of other samurai who, because they're samurai, like to block you all the time until so you have to break all of their swords in order to do any damage. And there's the one that beat me because I was actually trying to go through all of these and I found the nastiest one of them all which is just a freaking wave. You go through a wave of three of the gigantic pinwheel shuriken wielding ninjas then you go through a wave of Monks and another wave where you fight three of the gigantic freaking I can't remember his name, but you fight him on that battlefield where you're running through the scenes of other carnage in the past and the ghosts or the ghost samurai are catching are cutting catching up and fighting you. And that ends with the guy who will summon huge huge reins of arrows or swipe at you with what looks like a herd of horses that charge you. <laughs> And there's three of them in in this one. And then you're still not done because you have to go through a round of the freaking demons that won't stagger. And then you're still not done. I don't remember how far I got, but I'd played for about 20 minutes and I still wasn't done. And then I died and got booted back to the start of it and just said, that's enough. (laughs) To be fair, that was the one with the highest recommended level. And I just said, good enough. I've had had my fill (laughs) because I did manage to get through all of the others. And in order to get to the final endings of the other char- of the, each of the characters, you ha- once you have gotten the second ending, you get to go through all of the previously inaccessible areas, and you have to beat all of the bosses <clears throat> that the other char- that were exclusive to the other character until now, which may seem like a bit of get a bit of uh, make work, but the characters don't quite play the same, especially with the swords they have access to, so it's kind of interesting seeing what you can do with the other character on these things. And then there's Genroku legends.
2: Yeah. That's the DLC, right? Yes. Which I have not played at all. I, I bought that, but didn't play it. Yeah. Same here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. There's, there are four chapters here, each, de- each completely separate and each dealing with a new character. The first, and they all have silly puns for their names that I'm not going to try and remember but the first one deals with a girl and her brother who are attempting to do something to get their family back in the good graces of an aristocrat and they get killed on the way. And her cat is so attached that the cat takes on the people who killed her master and then decides to, she somehow gains the ability to shape shift between something that kind of looks like her master and a cat and goes on a mission to, well, well, Redeem her master. And for the DLC, only the bosses are truly new, but the characters each play completely differently. When you're the cat, you don't have swords anymore. And when you push the button, you change between two things. You change between your human form, which still wears down its stamina, and your cat form, which can shoot projectiles. And once you've built up a meter enough, then you can turn into a gigantic whirling dervish cat figure, which is invincible, but goes away. And you can just tear things up while that lasts. And your spirit and stamina, they don't go into getting new swords. They go into getting new moves or things you can do. You, I, I can't remember any specifics right now, but there's also new music for each piece of the DLC and the music for these new areas is pretty damn good. It's exactly in keeping with the others. And That's the first one. The second one, you are Gonbei, I believe. Gonbei is a farmer who is trying to petition the leaders of his prefecture. Please stop taxing us so much. We don't have enough left to eat. And you eventually meet this jerk at the end of his story because he's such a jerk that he's just hiding huge barrels of rice in his palace and not letting the peasants eat it. And Gonbei has to eventually lead a rebellion against this jerk. And his final boss is pretty fun because this guy is cowardly. He summons a whole troop of female ninjas to protect him. And he shoots okay. you with a gun while the female ninjas try to get in your way. And you just have to keep going after him. And Gonbei also plays completely differently. He has three weapons. He has a bamboo spear. He has sickles that he throws. And he has a hoe. <laughs> which, which may not sound impressive, but apparently when you beam people with a hoe, it works.
2: Uh, that sounds pretty painful. <laughs>
3: And his second boss is also pretty memorable because it's a gigantic sumo wrestler. I mean, freaking gigantic. And you you don't want to be caught with by this guy because, believe it or not, being hit by a sumo wrestler hurts. And his story is all about attempting to find a way to get out of this horrible, horrible, unjust debt. And he's also assisted. This is This is hilarious. His wife is dead, but she's so devoted to her husband that she hangs around in spirit form. And he can't jump very well, but his wife in spirit form will come along and pick him up by the shirt when he's falling so that he falls much more slowly. <laughs> Most wives are not that dedicated. No. <laughs> and his ending is also hilarious because uh, they, they end up going to hell because, well, you know, you hurt you killed a bunch of people doing this. You rebelled against authority. But they are just such sticklers for rebelling e- when the demons of hell are not doing a good enough job because they're overworked and they petition Enma, Lord Enma, sir, you are not doing what you should be doing. We are not getting the punishment that we deserve in hell. Your demons are overworked. You need to help them that he's just so sick of them that he throws them back on earth. (laughs) And, and let's see the third story. You are his freaking name. He's a, he's a ninja. Arashimaru, that's his name. He almost died. He ambushes some fellow ninjas in a shrine, the shrine of Shirohebi. And I'm sure they did not translate that because Shirohebi means white snake. And if you say that, then you start thinking of an 80s hair band. But Shirohebi takes great offense to him having killed a few people by ambushing in her shrine. And she curses him to die in seven days. But, you know, she hangs around with him to, just to make sure that the curse is, is carried out on time. And... Poor Arashimaru, he, he rebelled for a pretty good reason, which is that his masters are real jerks, and you eventually f- have to fight in against a, da- a guy who was sent by the Chinese 100 years ago to try and raise havoc in Japan, and he's still there, and he's learned the spell of immortality, and he's going to try and kill a whole bunch of Japanese leaders in order to raise havoc in Japan, even though China is not going to invade anytime soon. And he fights you by summoning a gigantic pile of bones and corpses that get in your way when you're trying to fight him. It's another fun boss fight. And what what do you know? After all this time spent with him, Shiro Hebi, she's a little more sympathetic. She, she doesn't necessarily want to have to kill him after seven days. But, oh, gosh, that would mean that she doesn't get to follow through on being a god and carrying out godly curses. It's really hard to be a god, you know? And the fourth one, oh, this one is pretty funny. You play as she's the 108th child of Enma from Hell, Rajaki. That's her name. But you start as, uh, I'll, re- I'll remember his name eventually. He's a guy who has just decided to throw out being a monk. And he's going to get hit on every woman he possibly can because by gum, he's a guy, and he's just got to get in it wherever he can. And Rajaki, who normally looks like, uh, well, she looks like a little girl with devil horns, but she can turn into a full-sized woman with devil horns, with a big club. And that's her play style. She, she turns in between the little girl and the big demon girl with the club, and once you get enough souls, then you can turn into an invincible <laughs> demon that spin, uh, that flies around the screen and punches everything until her, her power runs out. That, that's her move. She punches super hard. And uh, Arashimaru, he plays as a ninja. He has a sickle. He has kunai that he just keeps throwing and you can seriously just keep spamming. You can just shoot a long, long combo with them and unless something blocks you, then you can hit it several hundred times before your kunai breaks. And bombs. He uses bombs. You finally get to use bombs yourself with him. And, okay, Rajaki, this idiot, he's he's proposing to Momohime, who, of course, he thinks is a, a beautiful woman, and she walks away, but Rajaki was standing there, and she thinks he was proposing to her, and he keeps coming up with convoluted reasons why, oh, no, I can't get married to you, because uh, my soul, my, I promised my soul to this other girl, and it's stuck on a tree in this province, we can never get married without my soul, and she just takes him up on it and Offered, well, we're going to go and get your soul back. <laughs> and his eventual story, he, oh man, he finds this courtesan and, oh, she's so gorgeous. Oh, I I love it so much here with you. The courtesan was just using him to get to rajaki because she had some secret treasure. And you beat the crap out of the courtesan. Your ending there is, again, pretty funny because I'll remember this guy. Shirokichi, Shikikichi, I think that's his name. He gets a job. He gets engaged because he does so well and becomes well-known, well-to-do And in, in Edo, Japan. When she did that, then you got engaged by an arranged marriage. And what do you know? His fiance turns out to be Rajaki in a different form. She looks different, but it is Rajaki. And she even gets to say, oh, if... You better be. You better be good to me, because my dad is lo- is watching, and he knows what will happen. You know what will happen if you tick off King Enma. Uh, and each one of these has an alternate ending. Once you beat the the main story, you get to go through the rest of the game with each of these characters who play completely differently than Kiske and Momohime. And. It expects you to go beat every boss from Kisuke Momohime's path with each of these characters. And once you do that, you get an item that allows you to unlock a completely different ending. Gonbei's changes from something funny to something kind of grim. He is actually a ghost and he's been attached to the world and can't get out of it. Or Arashi Maru, his actually changes into the formation tale of. Jiraiya, Orochimaru and Tsunade where he got taken over by the evil guy he was he seemed to beat in his regular ending and he became a force for evil across Japan.
1: Man, grim.
3: But I got to say these are very different endings and it's not necessarily worth the amount of time that it takes to go beat all of the bosses with in the main storyline but I thought it was kind. Of, I thought it was not a complete waste of time. I got a ton of time out of this DLC, and remember, there are new areas. Only the bosses are truly new designs, but they are fascinating designs. the The second boss you fight in the story of the cat is a tanuki, and I don't know if this is something that's inherently Japanese, but the tanuki uh, has enormous balls.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a Japanese thing.
3: So enormous that it they're about as big as the rest of the Nuki. <laughs> Don't ask me how that works. He seems to sit on them. Um,
1: yeah. What you would and, think would be painful, but whatever.
3: Yeah, you'd think once, once you've snapped him out of all of his shape-shifting and you get him into his real form, that just hitting him once there would be enough. But no, you have to pan on him quite a bit. <laughs> and each of these has unique music. Again in keeping with the rest of the game this is really this is incredibly japanese sounding and also very good music to hear and i i think i got it for 15 dollars the genroku legend stuff and it was absolutely worth it and you should definitely experience it because it is not a complete rehash of the main game unless you get to see some very interesting stuff in it and i had a blast with it <clears throat> so there the the
0: Does the Vita come with the DLC? No. No. When you get
3: the main game, you still have to get the DLC off the PlayStation Store.
0: Oh. So it's it's on top
3: of the main game.
0: Because I feel, you know, in the selling point here, it said additional characters play in four additional scenarios as different characters. And I thought that might be the DLC. I feel like that's misadvertisement. But it doesn't say Muramasa complete, I suppose.
3: No, it says Muramasa rebirth, and the DLC is called Genroku Legends.
0: So, yeah, you can and you can get the physical of co- uh, Muramasa for twenty five bucks. So that's not a bad deal for the for the physical play, uh, version of that. It's an amazing no, and deal Genro for one Legends, of
3: the best. Even though you do have to buy it separately and download it, I Worth found it, it? absolutely worthwhile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, because you are further supporting VanillaWare, which is pretty much the only company making games like this. There yeah, is
0: there is Muramasa Rebirth Complete Collection on the PlayStation Network Store.
3: Right, but that requires you to download the whole game,
0: and, and I I bought,
3: I bought the cartridge.
0: Yeah, yeah, that one's thirty five bucks. Oh, so you get a, a little bit of a deal. It uh brings together the original game and all four of the Kinroku Legends into one convenient package. Convenient as long as you have the space. Which it's actually under a gig. It's, it's amazing it's really, that they have
2: it's really small.
0: It's amazing yeah. they have all that beautiful artwork in under a gig. I think but they the, do.
2: I think the base game without the DLC is like four hundred and fifty megs. Ugh. So go out and
0: do it. Find find a way to grab. Just grab this by the Tanuki balls and uh if you can
3: i think that will exceed the average hand reach of most people most people do not have hands big enough to do that the, uh, all right all right i have to look because that you need to sis
0: no no we don't no no hey, i've already seen hey, more tonight you found raijin you need to see him. i i think i've seen enough burning memory things for for a night that that, that those haven't. those thighs could crack. I don't know a metal shell. Forget the walnuts. Did you see her thighs? Yes, I. They're, did. Just, they're just unreal, unreal, Mike. Not human. Well, she is a god. What did you expect? Oh my gosh!
3: When you're a god, you have thighs the... that uh, can crack metal. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, I clicked the link. I can't. Oh my, no. That's just wrong. Is that a little beepy he has there? Or is that supposed to be his belly button? What the hell is that sticking out there? That's not right. That's NSFW stuff right there. Guys, don't click on that link if you're listening to this at work. Just, just don't. Oh, goodness.
1: Ah uh, uh, and
3: then if you look down you can see one of the things that he attacks you with, the uh the two figures on all fours.
0: Oh goodness,
3: yeah. Yeah he
1: does.
0: <laughs> oh my stars, that's just that's just wrong. People are
1: so lucky this isn't an audio visual <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Ah, uh, all right. So anywho, three games. All pretty good. Grapes. One particular grape aside. All pretty mm-hmm. good. You should definitely go and check them out. Vanilla wear has done really great with these games. I'll do a quick little plug as well for Grim Grimoire. That's on the PlayStation 2. It's not something we normally cover. It's not really a role-playing game, but it is uh, It is a beautiful, gorgeous... I would describe it as a as basically a tower defense strategy type of thing. But you'll see a lot of the same artwork and Vanilla wear quality uh, with with that game with an interesting premise and uh, story to it so if you're collecting these things that one's only on the PS2 as far as i know uh it's it's definitely worth uh, picking up and if you can beat it let me know because uh that's that one i've 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 stopped twice on it cuz the difficulty really ramps up later on but it was worth it to me still i would still recommend it it's just it's just fun but who. Uh, Well thank you very much gentlemen We're going to take a break And we'll return right after this Welcome to a blast from the recent past. Uh, This is where we look at games that came out about two years ago and we dip our toe them and let you know if they were worth getting or maybe finding on a sale. Or maybe if you rush out and buy them, maybe we're going to tell you to turn them into coasters. Uh, But we got it. We got it. We picked a few games. There were a lot of games that came out uh, in July of 2016. So I have I've picked a, a couple here. That I know, Mister. Actually,
3: a little lower than that. My my blast from the recent past was going to be used on an episode we recurred a while back, and then it never was. So yeah, these are slightly more than two. Years.
0: Yeah, we've kind of gotten a well. The, I think well, the ones I picked, I think, are exactly two right now. But we got a huge backlog, and yeah, we kind of got away, We're trying to get back to it. We're trying to do like so. We'll try to do blast from the recent past every other show, and a RPG backtrack sidetrack in between. But uh, so so uh, yeah, anywho. Uh, so I picked two games that I've told these guys about, and then there's a mystery third game, uh, a mystery third game that I feel like. Uh, but a lot of this focuses on Mr. Apps, and I know he's not prepared for the mystery third game, and that's what makes it exciting for me. But the first game,
2: Wait, I'm he, I'm scared now. Actually, you, you probably what? should.
0: You probably should be. But okay. the first game, you you are already prepared for. It is Sheeran and the Wonder, the Tower of Fortune. And the Dice of Fate. And I know somewhere someone's tried to make an acronym out of that because that title is huge. Uh, this was developed by Chansoft, published in North America by Axis Games, released on uh, the PlayStation Vita here in North America on July 26, 2016. Trivia trivia question uh, and answer. Where else was it released on? Answer, the Nintendo DS Japan, only December 9, 2010, way back in the day. So this is kind of a port or a remake, and I'm sure you're going to tell us which one it is. This is port, a single-, port, port. single Player, this is a single player uh, roguelike RPG. Uh, which generally I'm a fan of. That's why I'm playing Tales of Magiola in August as my PC uh, game for the sidetrack. I like roguelikes. It also says multiplayer, so maybe you can tell us what the multiplayer game of a roguelike is like.
2: Oh, um, it's... Uh, I have no idea. No, no, I just... <laughs> completely and I, honest, I have no idea. I play this game for
0: a, a, a little bit, and I must have missed the tutorial on how to get my friends to to come into the dungeons with me but uh uh i'll talk uh, you know just just for those i'll talk a little bit about what roguelikes are at, and then i'm going to let you talk more about this game in particular uh mr mike cause you you have your memory's fresher on this but uh for those of you who don't know roguelike games are games uh that are patterned off the old pc game called rogue which is very random generated it was just basically a character you would roll up uh, pick a class, and then you would go into a dungeon that was completely ran- randomly generated with the monsters, the loot, and, and, and the food you needed to survive and everything. Uh, that. And so every experience that you would play the game would be different. And there was... They, they It was notoriously difficult. I mean, the idea was to get down to, like, level 10 or 25 or 100 or whatever where there would be a, a big boss uh, which was probably the only thing that wasn't really random. But... Uh, uh, but but you wouldn't make it that far generally speaking, but the more you play the game, the more you got to know its nuances and and the thing about rogue too is when you died, <laughs> there was no safe game like you literally started completely back over from scratch and w- so what's the progression there if you if you you know well the progression would be that you got to learn more about the game with every run through and that's what would make you able to actually get a little bit further. You know, going forward. Since then, there's been a lot of games that have taken that, that formula, have put better graphics, of course, with it, but have also put other twists on it. Like maybe you get to keep some of your progression, you get to keep some of your items, or certain things are randomized, but other things aren't. Uh, and Sheeran the Wanderer is one of them. Mr. Apps is going to tell us more.
2: Yeah, so Sheeran the Wanderer is um, kind of uh, in the mystery home, TuneSoft? Feel like i'm missing part of their name spike tunes off sorry uh in their whole mystery dungeon series but uh obviously unlike the most of the other games it's not like a license of any sort um so it ends up being a much more traditional roguelike than you've probably played in like uh, obviously pokemon mystery dungeon or even like the uh dragon quest mystery dungeons um, so obviously, it's very much you lose everything when you die, um, and most of most of the quote unquote progression is um, learning learning the ins and outs of the game. So it's it's pretty difficult. Um, eventually, you can open up like some sort of shortcuts. The only kind of caveat with that is um, yeah, you if you use this if you use the shortcuts, you're not like gaining levels or anything. So not exactly the best way to go. Um, but the one kind of major issue with this particular game is there's bosses. And this is just specifically talking about like the main playthrough of the game. like there's a ton of optional dungeons and stuff like that you can do, which is probably where the multiplayer comes in, which I really did not, you know. Now that I think of it, I think the multiplayer was left out of the localized version. As I think um, there was some sort of rescue feature where um, you can go and like uh, help other people and that die in the dungeon and revive them so that they don't lose all their stuff and things like that. So that's probably where the multiplayer comes in. Um, but I'm pretty sure that is not in the Western release. But don't quote me on that. Uh, but yeah, the it's a really this one is a really great like classic styled uh, roguelike, but there are some bosses you have to fight, two that I really did not like because you know, like we said, these are games where you learn and learn to progress the dungeon, learn what the different items are, how to use them, what like the best tips and tricks are. And the bosses kind of throw that all, all out the window. Like, you could have used your items carefully and, you know, done everything right and have, like, a full stock of everything for this boss. And then uh, multiple times I would just lose because they can spawn they can spawn new enemies, and it's kind of random. So they can spawn, like, a whole army of enemies. And if you're unlucky enough for that ha- to happen, you're probably going to lose no matter how much you're pre- prepared. So, uh Yeah absolutely love the game except for that and wish they had either done the bosses differently or not done them at all but otherwise highly recommended for anyone that likes roguelikes just be prepared for that
0: be prepared for the bosses and pain yes uh does uh so when you leave the dungeons right if you warp out or whatever you start off again at level one right
2: Yes, there are like safe spots periodically throughout the main dungeon. Like I don't necessarily want to call them towns because they're not exactly that, but safe spots with some shops and things like that, and uh, places you can drop off your extra items to use your runs, things like that. Um, so it's definitely a lot friendlier than like the absolute pure roguelikes out there. But uh, if you're someone that likes to make, likes to like grind and get like pure progression through a game, this is not for you at all. Mm, No, and roguelikes, period, just
0: are not for the impatient. Because the more impatient you get, the more you die. Sure.
2: Yeah, but, you know, these games that are as close as you can get to, like, the original roguelikes without actually being exactly like those. um, Unless you want to play Tales of Magiel
0: on the PC. Because let me tell you, that thing is, oh my gosh. But but I'll, I'll save that for my August sidetrack
2: yeah uh, but uh, i saw kind of a a good description for like this was of the ds in the winter back in the day but uh basically somebody compared it to like the original mario like you you know start at the beginning every time but the more you play the more you learn you learn the ins and outs and shortcuts and tricks and what different things are and that's kind of the same way your progression is here and I think I think what often hangs up a lot of people on games like this is they approach it as just some other RPG where they're going to go, they're going to gain levels and get stuff like that. Instead of approaching it as what it actually is, where it's um, more like like I said, like the, the experience, like an original Super Mario, where you're always starting from the beginning and learning as you go, and that's kind of the way you progress. So yeah. Fair well, if,
3: if somebody wanted me to desperately, I would try it. But my experiences with roguelikes in the past have not inclined me toward seeking out more. I, there's just something that viscerally seems to make me angry about roguelikes.
2: Which ones have you played in the past?
3: Uh, most recently, Etrian Mystery Dungeon. So
2: Okay. Yeah,
3: it, which is kind of a weird melange and it doesn't Yeah, matter.
2: it's not that great.
3: Uh, okay. To, the first Izuna, I, I yeah. really did not like that game at all. <laughs> I, actually, I think I remember smashing my DS over it. I got so some freaking enemy which stole my experience and leveled me down, and that made me so freaking angry that I...
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, Fatal Labyrinth, which is crap, I admit, but... Yeah. Uh, and uh, Waka Waka Puyo Puyo Dungeon, which also made me angry, and that's weird because it's, uh, it's a Puyo Puyo... Modo monogatari game which those usually don't make me angry
2: yeah. i mean you may or may not like this one better i think it's better constructed than all those games and is more obviously more built around the okay you die you start over kind of mechanics um but yeah i mean it does have kind of the stuff that seems unfair at times like Things that steal your levels, or things that destroy your weapons, or things that take your weapons and turn them into rice
3: balls. (laughs) Ha 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 ha! Capricious fate, how nice of you to come along and remind me that life stinks and then you die.
2: Yeah. But, I mean, you learn what all these things are, then you learn to avoid them, and um, yeah, I mean, but uh, I think, unlike those other games, like I wasn't a huge fan of Azuna either um you you more expect death than this, and it 's not really a big deal it's just like, okay, you know, I had a nice weapon, but we 'll start over and we 'll see what we get this time and you know you finding new stuff is never a problem. you always find lots and lots of items so right. um, and I think the key the, the key to it, playing any type of game like this is not to get attached to any item in your inventory, just use whatever you need to progress don't be afraid don't like don't be afraid to use like room clearing items just because you're not that far in uh, it's better to it's better to live and continue on than it is to try and hoard good items that's kind of the one of the hard things that uh, took a long time for me to learn in these
0: yeah that is exactly uh, right it's like uh, it's just yeah. one of those games where death is a teacher um, yeah, kind of like dark souls or something right
2: uh you know, um maybe. it's not like dark souls no no
0: no all right moving on uh we have seventh dragon three vfd oh yes that um, is uh that is a mouthful this was uh r- um i believe it was it made by sega i don't yes. quite have a wikipedia entry on this one but it was released uh and well- this is
3: the first seventh dragon we got across the ocean right Yes, and it's the last.
0: Last one. Released on July 12th, 2016. This is an action RPG. Talk about it, Mike. Uh,
2: I don't know why this was localized. I don't understand. (laughs) It's a game I really liked. If you go and look up my review, I think I gave it a four. Uh, it's a very good, well-constructed game that references all those past seven dragon games we didn't get. Like, it actually involves time travel and you go to, uh, different areas from the past games looking for, um, you know, seven dragons or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very much and very clearly intended as a cap on the series, um, so to even bother localizing this, uh, I don't understand. I can't imagine it sold super great, but you know, I'm very happy they localized it because it's a good game. And for anyone that's played like the fan translations of uh, the other Seventh Dragon games, I'm sure they're very happy to have this. So yeah.
3: Now I uh, always wondered I, about I, I this I gotta... because uh, the the Seventh Dragon games have Yuzo Koshiro soundtracks, and so do the Etrian Odyssey games. Are there any similarities aside from that?
2: Aside from the music, yeah, um, not really. I uh, know the original Seventh Dragon had basically had basically had like foes to some extent. And I think it's been a while. I think this kind of had that too. Um, but, but it's got
3: nothing like the dungeon mapping mechanics. I'm sure. No,
2: and and they're never like the omnipresent threat that the foes are. They're more like things you're seeking to you're seeking out to fight. Like you want, you need to kill to kill a bunch of dragons. So it's not, it's not even exactly the same. Like yeah, they're more difficult than the random encounters, but they're not. They're not like these things that you absolutely want to avoid most of the time.
3: Okay. Which but,
2: is
3: well, I I really enjoy *Etrian Odyssey*, so that's mildly getting. But
2: sure, sure. Um, I mean, I looked at the original Seventh Dragon* when it before it came out, and I was like, oh, this looks sort of like. Dragon Quest X, uh, Etrian Odyssey, which it wasn't really. Um, I mean, I, I'd say in terms of like the depth of the combat and the different character classes and stuff, it's definitely got an, uh, the depth of an Etrian Odyssey. But yeah, if you're looking for kind of that pure dungeon crawling type of experience, it's that's not this. It's more story focused. Uh, the dungeons aren't super huge, anything. It involves time travel, Uh, but yeah, I I certainly recommend people play this game. Just go in understanding that. uh, Yeah, I think they did. It's as if
3: you're gonna start watching Return of the Jedi without any knowledge of Star Wars prior.
2: (laughs) Yeah, sure, and I, I think they did a good job of localizing everything so that people that don't necessarily know anything about the previous games can get along just fine. I mean, I've played mostly just the original game, so I got some of those references. And you know, all I got out of uh, the other, like Seven Dragon 2020 and 2022, is knowing that uh, hey, they they're in some area that took place in that game, and it was as far as I knew, but having some knowledge of the past games did help. So Wait,
3: not... I've just come up with a kooky theory. Maybe exactly. the two seventh dragon 2020 games will be remade and re-released in two years and then they'll get localized.
2: Ooh. Yeah. No, it's not happening.
3: <laughs> I know that would make sense. So it's not going to happen.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Weird game. So I, I, I don't know if you, if you're someone who knows about those past games a bit, whether or not you've actually played them, it's it's something I would suggest people give a try. I, I think there's a demo even that people can play and carry over their save to the full game, so that's probably the best thing to start with. Um, but I mean, yeah, if, you, if you're not familiar at all with Seven Dragon, these are games where uh, you build your own party um, and there's kind of a deep character class system where with different skills and stuff like that and um yeah so if that's your kind of jam check it out um like i said it's got a lot more story than something like Etrian Odyssey but you know i it's, yeah check it out please check it out because uh, that's missing because out that on that
3: be the the encouragement necessary for other things like this to be brought yeah. over
2: like missing out on that series i think is one of the biggest disappointments in like the past decade not that it's the greatest series or anything but it it was at least interesting and i think instead of that we got there's there were a lot of boring games that got brought over uh, and that you no know, mike much- mike please
3: you know that every single one of those valhalla knights games deserve- oh god a- <sighs> Because everyone who has reviewed a Valhalla Knights game for the site couldn't stop raving about it, and they kept coming because somebody was buying them. I don't know who.
2: I don't know who. Was it you, dear listener? I hope not.
3: <laughs> the lesson is, Valhalla Knights came over, and Seventh Dragon didn't. Think oh about that. Won't oh God, you,
2: Phil? One of those isn't the third game, is it, Phil? No. Uh, no. You ready for
0: your third game now? Your surprise game. It's uh, here. It's on deck.
2: No, You've no. been
0: waiting yeah, for it. Yeah,
3: he's going to bust out Valhalla Nights 3. You've
0: been waiting for it. Uh. You've been talking about it with your friends. And, and now the time has come to talk about Monster Hunter Generations. Yes, oh. it came out exactly two oh, years ago. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> developed, oh by, developed and published by Catcom. Released uh in North America on July 15th 2016 uh this is of course a single and multiplayer action rpg experience for your Nintendo DS uh collection and very timely given that we're we're on the dawn of Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate coming to the Nintendo Switch woo Woo-hoo. excited so, so generations on on the DS. We've talked a little about Monster Hunter here before. Uh, I don't know. Have we ever done like a full Monster Hunter podcast? So we could talk about the deep plots of these games.
3: Yes, we have.
0: Okay, short term memory. Anywho, <laughs>
3: it wasn't that long ago, Bill. Uh, yeah, I feel like it was a Let's long see, time ago. which one was it. I feel like the it hunt was is like, on. Episode one eighty five. Yeah, see, uploaded that was it on like, March twentieth.
0: That was like three Whatever. or four. That's like three or four years ago. Every month feels like a year right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we well, talked about.
3: Supposed to go faster when you got older, not slower. You can go back
0: and listen to that podcast about Monster Hunter Generations, because uh, we talk about all the Monster Hunter games. But, mm. but our viewpoint has changed a little bit on generations since then, and it's it's kind of timely to talk about this, due primarily to the announcement of Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. Uh, so we said before that if you were going to play one game, you should go out and play Monster four. Hunter Four, Four Ultimate, right? Now we're telling—I've been telling my friends. No, you need—you know what? I told you I was wrong. Go back and get Monster Hunter Generations and play that because you're going to be able to take your character to Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate when it comes out. Phil, what are you doing? They should still play Four. They should still play Four. Come on, they should just play it all. They're—they're they're, they're just what I mean. Uh, they're just two three hundred hour RPGs, no problem. Fine. Yeah, if you want to get to G rank, uh, shoot.
2: Yeah, people have time machines. It's
0: totally fine. So I've been playing. I've been playing two and 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 or two <laughs> generations, and I, I say two because I'm on two star quest. And there are I mean, generations, as we mentioned before. It is, it is, uh, it has, bo- or monsters from you know just about every game in the series is chock full of monsters. And uh, I think we do. I think we might we might talk about on that podcast about just how many more monsters it has in, let's say, Monster Hunter World. But it, it has. It, it's incredible. Just just a ton. But two-star is like, quest.
2: Is it like 80
0: more monsters or something? Something insane like 60, 70, 80 more monsters than Monster Hunter World. Uh, it's just incredible. And I'm on the, the second – the two-star quest, and I literally have four and a half pages of quest. Now, granted, a lot of those, being that it's the older games, was a lot to go out and collect Berries or go out and kill smaller monster quests that a Monster Hunter Roller just kind of rolled in as extra side things uh, that you do as you're going along. But uh, but there's still plenty of, 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 of monsters already at second star, so yay. And then you have the art styles, the, the weapon styles. So if you're a Gunlance person or a Switch Axe or whatever have you, you got three, four, five, four, three or four ways to play your Switch Axe in Generations, and then when Generations Ultimate comes out, they're going to be adding more styles. So it, it's insane. It's just... Go play Generations. Just do it. Just just play because we're playing it. I'm playing it, and we're talking about on the hunt. So yay, Generations! Woo! Mike, didn't you get pretty far? You know, in Generations?
2: Yes, <laughs> and, but it was called Monster Hunter Double Double X or Double Cross, and I didn't think it was going to be localized. So
0: because Michael's such a fan of Monster Hunter Generations, he basically bought the ultimate version Japan, which is called Double Cross.
2: Yeah, and... that came out like a year ago. So you can okay. understand why I didn't think localization was coming.
0: Mm. No, we were all surprised by that announcement. And and unfortunately for, for Mike, while you can import your Monster Hunter Generations character over, you cannot import your Monster Hunter Double Cross into Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. It's not a thing. Sorry, Mike. Well, maybe somebody will figure out how you can do it. Maybe you'll get lucky there.
3: Yeah, Actually, it sounded fine. like Mike got over it pretty fast there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's fine. That's fine. fine. I'm I'm super excited. I I I Wait.
3: We are on the internet. You have to be exaggeratedly loving or hateful about everything. That's how the internet works.
0: But I don't want to Nope, You got to pick a side and you got to be passionate about it. Pretend like you're arguing a,
2: against Damn it, Capcom. How could you not take how could you take a year to announce this localization? I could have been better prepared and not wasted my money importing your fine game, which I spent many hours playing and enjoying. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? There you go. There's the passion. There there we,
3: there we go. You you have reestablished your internet credentials.
2: Please refund my 6000 yen promptly.
3: You might act you might actually get more back because I'm sure the exchange rate has changed. <laughs>
2: I don't even think that's the right amount, though. it's 5,053? I don't know. Yeah. Some amount of yen. Lots, lots and lots
0: of yen. It, it's just insane. Um, th- let, let me just... I'll read this quote. I, 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 I have to... Unfortunately, Mr. Minky, I do have to give credit to where I'm getting this quote from. It's from IGN. <clears throat> With a well, lot...
3: I'm sure IGN will give us very useful Monster Hunter information. That's... Why people go to IGN? That's why
0: you go to IGN. With a whopping 93 large monsters, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate actually has the largest, most large monster roster ever. There's 20 more than Generations, 18 more than 4 Ultimate, and 60 more than World's current but ever-expanding roster. Uh, Gaming pro tip, boys and girls, it will be a cold day in the land down under before World's roster gets as big. As Generations Ultimate.
2: Yeah. I I think
0: that's a bit of an exaggeration. (laughs) It's very slowly creeping up. It'd be a better way to put it. Very slowly. I mean, you get like one monster maybe every two months. And half of them are just reskin colors of previous monsters. So you're not really getting a lot of original monsters there. Whereas here, a lot of them are definitely original monsters body types, you know, attack patterns, things like that. And even some of the reskins like if you're going to fight um like yeah, the 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 broken diablos or whatever it's called, bloodlust diablos, blood bloodstained diablos, what, what the hell is he called? I don't remember. But when you fight he he is he is if you thought blood if you thought regular diablos is bad, wait until you fight pissed off broken horn diablos. Uh they're variants of monsters that have basically had run in with hunters in the past managed to come through it, but didn't come through the same. Didn't come through unscathed. And and now they're even more pissed and mean than ever before. Bloodbath Diablos found it. Previously had its horn cut off, only to have a new Warped One grow back and take its place. And now he's pissed. So, go figure. But tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of monsters. Uh, if you are definitely into, if you're not into Monster Hunter for its Shakespearean writing, and you're in it for its for its gameplay and the variation of monsters, uh, generations ultimate is going to make you very happy. And in the meantime, you can play monster hunter generations on your three DS to get repaired. Of course, you've only got like a few more weeks or so, because I believe Gener- generations ultimate comes out what in a month or less more, something like that. It's August. Pretty sure it was a release date of August, right?
2: Like that. August yeah.
0: 28th. Yeah. Let's just, uh, let's just do that. quick Google, uh, Google foo real fist. And, um, you know, Google 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 failed me because it said November 28th, 2015. No, I said Ultimate, not Monster Hunter Generations. Ultimate, you paid in the butt. Switch. Maybe if I put the word Switch in. No. Oh my gosh. Huh, August 28th. You're right. August 28th. And it's it's on Nintendo's website. This this might be one of those games you, you buy off the eShop just so you can always have it on your Switch. And you can just kind of go back to it without having to lo- locate the cartridge. Just mm-hmm. find a monster here. It's kind of like what you do in between Octopath. You done a chapter in Octopath. Need a little break? Want to go kill a monster? Just put it off your main menu boom done but anywho that's our three games that's our last from the recent past segment uh, we're going to let you listen to a little bit more music and uh, put a bow on this with the final lap mm-hmm. final lap where we read your comments answer questions and do kitchen sink stuff talk about what we're playing and so much more our last episode i believe was a 190 a wee arf and we did have a few comments comments on it we have some comments have some comments and I i got
3: i'm still not used to the way these comments appear on the Freaking same page as the link. This this new site—it hasn't fully sunk
1: into me yet.
0: No, I don't think it it... hasn't sunk in
1: that we don't have a site from nineteen ninety-eight. Yeah, no, it hasn't. But uh, I'm I'm still thinking. Oh crap!
3: I made one minor change in my review. I have to manually upload the file back to the FTP.
0: Here's a funny thing. Like, if you're going back, you're listening to all of our previous episodes. We kept saying, "Go to the forums and leave your comments." And and so, if you're listening to those and you're going to the forums. I don't visit the forum. A lot of people don't visit the forums a whole lot anymore. Uh, I look, when it comes to reading your stuff on the air, I look at Twitter and I look at the responses section for that particular episode, the last one that we did. So even if you're listening to, let's say, episode number 28, <laughs> and you have some comments you want to throw in there, but, which we'd love to hear, your best way to get that to us is to either you know, hit us up on Twitter uh, and we'll give you those the, those handles at the end of the show, or you can just go to the latest episode of RPG Backtrack and and just post it there and just say, hey, yeah, I was listening to twenty eight, and here's what I think, because uh, that's the two places you can I put look. a
3: comment on the page of all our previous episodes. But I gotta tell you. I don't know that anybody actually flips through these things except me right now as I'm flipping right. through it and seeing <laughs> what a shock there are absolutely no comments on any of our older episodes because all of those were commented on with the old forums, not the new forums and shockingly, all of those have the very same image which is uh, well we have a pretty good logo, but the ability to put a new image with every single episode is another so another thing I'm not quite, quite used to yet.
0: yeah, it's pretty nifty. So, uh, but we did get some comments on the episode page there. And uh first one was from Budai. He says, at least this will be a decent year for turn-based RPGs with Dragon Quest XI and Octopath Traveler. I'm glad some developers will still make what a lot of us want. And and we're seeing that, we're seeing, like, apparently the developers didn't even seem to understand this if you're Square Enix. Apparently they're surprised by the outstanding sales of Octopath Traveler, Amazon sold out. Major retailers are starting to sell out of the hard copies because they did not anticipate this level of demand. What do you guys think I about that? I don't think
3: Square Enix was shocked at the sales of Dragon Quest XI in Japan, though.
0: No, no, that's not no. a thing. But uh, maybe they were shocked about Octopath Traveler sales here in North America. Well, that would have been Nintendo because Nintendo published it here. Hmm, fair enough. I did. Uh, I o- I had uh, I had ordered Octopath. Uh, somewhat after release date was it after uh, or around release date and and then when I went to check my Amazon order said yeah it'll get to you in two to three weeks I'm like what I'm a Prime member that ain't right uh, then I looked up on the app uh, or on Best Buy's website and it's like the Best Buy down the street has it in stock I talked to the guy they were still in the back and this is right at release date uh, they were still in the back he went to the box in the back and got me a copy and I cancelled my Amazon pre-order but yeah I'm not used to seeing that from Amazon Hmm. Mr. Mr. Beeky, would you like to read the next comment?
3: Oh, I suppose I could. Wait, you want you want me to read your comment, which is all of one word?
0: No, 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 the one <laughs> after that, silly.
3: Okay, from M 3 The battle system in ARF sounds quite interesting. I initially listened to Just the Final Lap just to hear the turn-based shout-out, but went back and listened to all of it today. I loved Cassandra's and Phil's take on the battle system and game overall. It reminds me of the Grandia episode, where awesome gameplay outweighed everything. Why does that sound familiar? I forgot I set the speed to 1.2x and wondered the entire time when Cassandra stopped to take a breath. She does stop to take breaths. Mm Yeah. Uh, I was just really good at editing out dead spots.
0: Right. If you're listening at 1.2, understand. It's probably like listening to to certain other uh, podcasts and audiobooks at like 1.5 because I already do a bit of compression on it. So God bless your heart.
3: And thanks for the review. Maybe one day this will get a port to a portable or maybe even something else, Nintendo system. Wait, is the Switch portable? I have no idea what the hell it is.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I it's think it's thing. portable. Yeah, I mean it's sort of portable. I mean it doesn't quite fit in my pocket the way a DS does, but you know, like I'll you know I'll take a quick little trip, and and to you know like next week I'm flying to a city for it, I'm coming right back before the end of the night. I'll take it with me. You know, so sort of fits in the backpack, but it doesn't fit in the pocket. It's weird. Portable like a laptop. Yeah, yeah. If you consider a laptop portable. Which
3: it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I've stopped dragging my laptop around to wireless cafes though because there are other devices that can be dragged even more efficiently.
0: Yeah. I, I got a lighter I got a lighter laptop and I use my phone as a hotspot because the data nowadays is, is either cheaper or unlimited uh with the plan and I don't you know, Wi Fi can get hacked into and things like that. So um I do a lot of work. I do a lot of writing, I do a lot of reading, so um the light ones man it's so nice having a nice light laptop but it does have to go in a back pocket it won't fit in my pocket <laughs> just saying uh strawberry you're
3: concerned about your security phil what mm. the hell is wrong with you you're supposed to just plug into every wi-fi network around you and not care about all the cookies and programs that are being installed on your devices because without that if you care then how are all of the companies and the foreign governments going to snipe to snoop on you mm-hmm. how are they going to learn everything they want to and steal all of your information and probably do some identity theft
0: what are uh, you doing i building know right
3: consumer you've got to stop that right now or else you're not part of the american broad market anymore
0: faster mm-hmm. than remember, boys and girls nothing in life is truly free uh strawberry eggs replies back I would love nothing more game wise than for Arf to get a port or remake to modern platforms particularly the Switch and yeah I sometimes speak quickly when excited but not that quickly no no she's not that quick until we edit her to be like a chipmunk so, you know what? Next time she's on, I might just compress her even further just, just to make her into a chipmunk. I think I can do that. I think that's within my this, capabilities. This your
3: test to see if she's listening to every episode of right. what she's done, right? Right.
0: If she doesn't protest, then I have to assume that she wanted me to take her next recording and turn it into a chipmunk. So, there you go. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your for your comments. We're happy to read and comment.
3: I'm, I'm sure everyone will thank you for making people think of Cassandra in the same breath as Christmas Christmas time is here thanks a lot Phil
0: there you go Uh, also I mentioned on the last episode uh, I talked about my RPG backtrack sidetrack article and adventure with Icewind Dale and uh you know got some got some comments uh just a couple of quick ones from one from Umbris saying hey thanks for the sidetrack always nice to read you really put uh you really need to put time to play all those good old games i was really wondering what your next game was going to be it's not like you almost spelled it out for us lol um so uh no
3: you didn't i you, ha- you left absolutely no hints
0: no hints at all um but you know, uh, I'll talk a little bit more on the round table uh, portion uh, where we talk a little bit more and answer that question and, and take it a little bit further. And Budai also says, I know mince, he because I had asked the question, can anybody identify the avatar or the um, the the banner I have? I have three characters on there, and I'm happy to give away a game to uh, from from my magical pile, which again, I'll talk about the round table a little bit more to whoever can get all three. And uh, Budai has managed to identify two of them. He says, I know Minsk and the avatar from Ultima, but I'm not sure who the guy on the far left is. Now, I will give a clue for those of you who are listening. So you already know two of the three. You do have to tell me all three in your answer. But you already know two of the three. I just said it. And it's also right there. Budai put it on, you know, right there in the responses. I will give you a clue for the guy on the left. The clue is this. The clue is in the earl is in the, the responses there on the backtrack sidetrack that that I'm mentioning. It, it was mentioned earlier. It, that's the funny thing. There's a really nice tender clue that the, the name of that character or, or where he's from is not directly spelled out, but it is referenced pretty strongly in an earlier response. So if you can figure that out, you're going to get a prize from the goodie bag, which I'll talk a little bit more during the roundtable. So thank you for your comments, we appreciate it, Uh, and the spudge. So, uh, speaking of Roundtable, that's the part of the show where we just go around and we ask all of our speakers, hey guys, what are you playing, what are you doing on the website, what's got you excited, kitchen sink stuff. And I think we'll start with Mr. Larpenter.
1: Yeah, so, I don't know, like I had, fortunately the last few weeks I haven't been absolutely killing myself with review games so i've been uh, doing a few other things around the site i finally got around to uh writing up uh my my playthrough of sakura tyson which was a lot of fun man that game was good
0: <laughs> micah who R- shrak what what the hell sakura Phil, tyson
1: you've heard of sakura tyson geez
0: sakura tyson what the hell is that like something you added to is that like some chemical ingredient they add into frozen food Yes, no, Bill,
3: no. that That's the ingredient that makes all of your food start having steam-powered mecha and take place in a fictional alternate history version of Tokyo in the twenties.
0: Is that one of those Japanese import games again that you young kids are always playing,
3: Bill? You played Soccer Wars so long, my love. Oh, Soccer
0: you- Wars! Oh, what? oh, oh! I, I, for some reason, I thought you said like saccharin. I'm thinking like it's. <laughs> something saccharin wars that's what i'm saying like you add it to food or something <laughs> like
3: hasn't fuller house reignited the saccharine wars how much saccharine can people take
0: right oh, soccer wars but was was <laughs> did the soccer rewards tyson come to the states or is this like an import deal yeah this was import
1: okay i i played it i played the psp version of the uh God, I think that, I think it was done off of the uh, Dreamcast port, but yeah, it, it was, I, I really loved the game. I can't wait to, I can't, you know, the game got a re- revival. Um, They're, they're working on a new one that's coming out next year, I think. So I'm really excited for that to come back. Um,
3: I know Sakura Tyson 2 wound up on PSP. So has that I, one been translated yet?
1: Uh, n- Well, I played it, it. I just played it using a fan translation. There are no patches for any, okay. of, as far as I know, for any of the game. So, you know, like it, it is, it's a bit of work still to play them because you got to sit there with your, you know, like with a tablet or with something where you've got the translation up to read through oh, that, it. That's but, fine. When I played yeah. it,
3: there were no, I had to copy the file off of GameFAQs because there was more or less a translation at that point and put it into a, uh, just a text document because... I was foolish and still had dial-up at that point, and I did not want to rely on dial-up for this, so I just had it on a text <laughs> pad, looking at it while I played the game, and it worked because I'm I'm right there with you. I can, although I will say that Sakura Tyson Two surpasses the first. Maybe that's because I played the first one in its original Saturn incarnation. I'm sure a couple of tweaks were made on the Dreamcast and the subsequent ports, but Two is just a blast, and Three is right there with it.
1: Yeah, I really want to get, I I definitely want to get around to playing two since I've got that on PSP at some point later this year. And then somehow I'm going to have to figure out a way to play three and four at some point, but that's a little bit more. Three is
3: absolutely worth it. I consider it the equal of two and they're both amazing. Four is a whole different ball of wax, but yeah, we'll talk about that some other day. And once you've played two, then you can talk about or Orohime, and the only time I've ever heard someone speak Japanese with an Italian accent
1: oh goodness <laughs> there's fun stuff in Sakura wars yes it's such a crazy series
3: <laughs> it's crazy but it also it's also fun there are a lot of things out there that are just crazy with no without much fun to correspond
1: oh yeah this thing is this game is so much fun so well done so much eh, I, I can't get over well, I guess it, in a certain sense, it was like a bigger budget game kind of for the time. But, you know, we get so many of those sort of visual novel strategy RPG or visual novel, um, you know, dungeon crawler hybrids today that are so low budget. And Sakura Tyson just, it doesn't look low budget. It looks gorgeous that you got those little animated uh, movie sections to break everything up. And Oh man, I I just love the music that game. is awesome. The, oh the music. all of the
3: voice actors yeah. absolutely fit their parts. That's one of the weird things. I I having played them all in Japanese, I'm not sure that I could accept somebody else doing the voices because I've just grown accustomed to them as they were originally intended to be heard. And I I've heard a couple of the dubs of um, there was a Sakura Wars OVA series, which I watched before I played any of the games, and it made absolutely no sense because it does absolutely no introduction of the characters whatsoever. You are just expected to be familiar with them from the games. So if you aren't, then you're just, what the hell? Is, who are these people?
1: Yep, and it has a really terrible English dub. <laughs> really colossally bad. Yep, yep, I, I've seen that too.
3: <laughs> and then after I would played the games, I watched it again, subtitled this time, and it, it's a nice supplement to the games.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it kind of helped, you know, playing through with the translation, at least that I've seen it. So it was like, okay, yeah, I kind of know what's going on. This matches up with with the anime. Yeah, yeah, it it helped out a little bit. So I I finished up with that and I played uh, Mario plus Rabbids, the Donkey Kong DLC for review. So I have a review up of that on the site. And then the last few weeks I've been playing stuff for JRPG July. So that's been uh, I've dug into the backlog to play, well, I guess not much of the backlog, but Zvi, I've been playing Zvi, the Argus Adventures, which is a, which just came out a couple couple months ago, but is actually, even though it's the second Zvi game to release here in the West, it's actually the original, the first Zvi game. So uh, I
3: bought both of them on Steam. I haven't played them yet, but I intend to because they're Falcom, and Falcom generally does a good job.
1: And they they live up to the Falcom name. They they are quite good. Um, more so on the uh, like if you go in, I mean, these are action RPGs, and if you go in expecting ease, you're probably going to be a bit disappointed. It it doesn't quite reach ease level of quality of combat, but the characters well, it, it and,
3: probably surpasses some of the lesser ease games.
1: Well, yeah.
3: That's ease, true. That... Ease five comes to mind.
1: There, there have been some stinker ease games. That's true. <laughs> if Mister
3: Apps, was, I'm sure Mister Apps will join just in time to say that oath of Fel, oath in Felghana is the way to play ease three, and that all previous renditions are terrible and should be avoided like the plague.
1: Mm-hmm. And he, was even incorrect. though I
3: kind of, I was okay with the Genesis rendition of ease three.
1: But yeah, the characters in this game are just. They are absolutely fantastic. It's these two uh, step siblings, Pockle and Pipro. And Pockle is this uh, clean freak who loves terrible puns. (laughs) So the whole game is him making terrible puns. And then Pipro, his sister, his stepsister, is uh, completely self-centered and just totally, um, (laughs) absolutely has no filter whatsoever. So she's always just saying the first thing that comes into her head. And it just makes for an absolute delight to wander around with those two. I've, you know, even if there are, oh, the other thing about this game I'm forgetting to talk about is the other kind of unique thing about it is that rather than getting experience from, from just defeating enemies, in this one you only get experience by eating food. And so you're 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 going around, you're defeating enemies, and you're kind of dependent upon random drops from enemies to get food. And then you can take ten of any individual stuff to the bar in town and swap it for like one better food stuff. And you can tell in this earlier game that they did quite as good a job of like balancing that. Like I I got annoyed with it a couple of times in the in Ilvard Insurrection in the the first one, and this one you can tell like oh they actually did some fine-tuning to that to make it a little bit smooth there's been a couple of times where i've kind of been stuck where i just really haven't gotten enough food and uh, enough of the good types of where i've had to spend a bunch of time grinding to kind of try and get the right you know to get 10 of some food to that then i can turn into actual but uh, the the characters have kind of have set, certainly kept me going through any of the lows i can't
3: decide if it's a coincidence or not that we're talking about Zvi, where you get experience from eating food, and we were just talking about Vanillaware games, where you eat lots and lots and lots of
1: food. <laughs> it kind of works, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Serendipity, man. And then beyond that, I've also been playing uh, Octopath Traveler, the new hotness. And I haven't gotten very far in it yet, but...
0: It's so hot. It's like molten lava in your hands. Hot the 2d turn-based goodness huh the the, the turn-based goodness is too much it's incredible yeah it's 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 gorgeous it's got a it's got a fun combat system um got eight different characters to pick from yeah i it's it's really cool it's pretty fun i've only put a few hours into myself i've got like three or four characters so far something like that yeah, uh, and I've just, just now got a full party. <laughs> yeah, just kind of exploring a bit too, taking my time with it. But uh, yeah, yeah, pretty cool uh, so far. And uh, a lot of people are really, really uh, liking it. And as uh, mentioned before, it's selling really good. Yay! Maybe we'll get more turn-based RPGs from Square. They used to do those. Remember Woo-hoo! remember Square? You used they to still do... do them.
2: It's called Dragon Quest, Phil. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you used to do it with Final Fantasy. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm getting at.
2: Nah, Final
3: Fantasy X's battle system wasn't much. That uh, everyone liked all of the all of the laughing seasons. That's why everybody played that game. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah, it wasn't for the battle system; it was for the laughing sequences. Alrighty. Well, anything else for you, Mr. Larpenter? Nah, no, that's pretty much it. All right, here, Mr. Mr. Apps got back from grabbing a bite to eat. Mr. Apps, what do you have for the group? Anything you're doing on the website? Any games you want to plug away? Anything you want to talk about?
2: Uh, so I'm doing JRPG July as well. My plan had been um, I was going to do East Eight, which I've been playing, and it's fantastic. We'll talk about that in a minute. Oh no,
3: uh, I'm so sorry for you, East Eight man. How did I stick through that on the Vita to finish it and review it last fall? It was, it was pretty hard, man. Especially coming <laughs> off of Valkyria Revolution. Oh, how was I ever able to force myself through? It was. I'm so sorry for you, Mike. <laughs> How are you, man? How are you doing?
2: Uh, you know, I'm I'm struggling along. You know, doing okay.
3: Are you oh, sure? I love it.
2: I love it. I want more of it? I'm inject it in my veins.
3: I, actually, I can come up with one mild nitpick. It's that when you first start fighting the dinosaurs, you can't kill them because you have to have a plot development before you can kill them. I found that annoying. That's the only thing I can really come up with.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
3: I was able to kill. I was able to beat them up, and then they just fall down for a minute. And oh no, you have to get away because they're super powerful ancient species. You've got to get away. You can't stop them. Yeah, I just did. Never mind. <laughs> uh,
2: so I am also. Um, well, I had planned to also play uh, the Lost Child as well. Um, but after Octopath Traveler came out it became pretty clear that yeah, that's not really gonna happen. So instead I'm gonna be playing some Octopath Traveler as well and I'll probably do some writing writing about that for JRPG July as well. But the other one I'm playing is uh continuing along in the Alliance Alive, that awesome saga like, uh where I just require, acquired the Penguin Party member.
3: And it's it's not explosive, right? We're we're not talking
2: uh no, no
3: infusion. No. And it's not a joke, so we're not getting a straight character from Shining Force Three. Correct.
2: No, okay. he was actually pretty badass. Even though Shining uh,
3: Force Three is completely awesome.
2: True. Very true. Uh, so in addition to that, at some point I'm going to write an impression of uh near automata for the X bone. Um, the delay is trying to find a way to write the article that isn't just yeah, this is a perfectly fine port. So Yeah, I've been trying to figure that out. Because it's a perfectly fine port. Yeah, it's um, near Automata on the Xbox One with apparently no issues whatsoever. So I guess I'll just write about the game itself, and and for anyone that's new to it, it's probably the angle I'll approach.
3: I think you can manage that.
2: Yeah, because I'm sure sure there's a a lot of people. I mean, it sold very well, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who haven't really played it, so... And it is really awesome. It is, yes, especially the soundtrack, and especially the the callbacks in the soundtrack itself to the original game. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still hoping that since Nier Automata is now on the Xbox One, the original game will show up in backwards compatibility, but so far uh, I have been disappointed every week since its release. Uh, <laughs> I, is,
1: is, it the com- is it the publisher who does the work on that, or is that Microsoft who's doing the work on
2: that? You know, I don't really know. It's um it's it's tough to say. Yeah. You know, some, sometimes it seems like it's okay, you know, they get like some engine converted and a bunch of games come over at once. Sometimes not because there were some Lego games there early and then a few like a long time after. <laughs> so it's you know, I, I I don't really know. I it and they certainly aren't slowing down at all. it have been pretty steady going. So there's always hope.
3: I don't know. Microsoft is not trying very hard with the backwards compatibility, and I speak from the perspective of my cubicle mate who is stuck on Windows 7, which refuses to work promptly anymore because Microsoft has stopped giving it much in the way of updates. But, no, that doesn't infuriate her when my machine takes off within a minute of starting up and hers sits there for 15 minutes thinking before it finally does anything. Nope. That, oh, that means nothing I to can't, her.
2: I can't go back to Windows 7. Upgrade. Upgrade. <laughs> She has to persuade the the company to. Oh, oh,
4: oh, oh,
2: oh. if if that happened to me, it may cause me to be like, yeah, um, this is my two week notice. And uh, (laughs) it's here's here's my middle finger to your freaking OS policy.
3: Well, this is for county government, so she should be able to. Uh, It's just going to take a while because it moves at the speed of government.
2: Yeah, I completely understand. And
3: her, see, her computer was replaced a year ago, but for some reason, when it was replaced, she still got Windows 7. Oh. Don't ask me how that works. Oh,
1: no. So now we have to
3: buy a new copy of Windows 10, and that's, well, that that requires us that we tell IS, well, why didn't it work? Why don't you have Windows 10? Because you didn't get it on my new machine. How am I supposed to know?
2: <laughs> well, hey, you can install it without a, License, not not that that's very legal or anything, but you know I'm also not technically uh, um, suggesting that. Just throwing it out there that it's possible.
3: You are throwing it out there, but given that if that was to happen and it was to be to be traced back to this enterprise, it would land. Oh
2: yeah, that would go very people. very poorly. We, we probably shouldn't do that. This is very true. Anyway, so
3: you can having, install... having established that Microsoft is not so interested in super backward compatibility much anymore, where's my Windows 95 and 98 adapters, man? I want to play stuff that was only working on those operating systems. Ugh. Yeah, I want to get my Earthworm Jim Whole Can of Worms PC edition and plug it into my disk drive and have it work, even though it was optimized for Windows 95.
2: Well, I think I that
0: does work because of GOG. I think they have Earthward Jim. Pretty sure they do.
2: Well, I don't know about any of that, but I can play Panzer Dragoon Orta on my Xbox One. So there's that.
3: You know, that's that's a damn good game.
2: Yeah, and
3: it's also the last thing we ever got from Panzer Dragoon, which is very very sad. Uh... Hey, Mike, are you going to be playing any Dragon Force anytime soon?
2: Um, that can be arranged certainly. I played enough of that game
3: that I can talk about it for a fair amount of time without even refreshing my memory.
2: Yeah, I... Uh, honestly, it's been so long, I need, like, a, a brief refresher, so... Okay. Because yeah, we know Phil can't
3: contribute. It's a Saturn exclusive, so he never played it. And he's he's so ashamed that he's not even chiming in right now. I
0: mean, <laughs> Saturn, isn't that a planet? You kind of fly there or something in a spaceship? I don't have a spaceship, so now I can't help you with that. <sighs>
3: Well, Phil, the solution, obviously, was for your mother to put you as an infant onto the Voyager spacecraft so that you could go there. And she didn't do that. Why didn't your mother like you, Phil? She could have put you right there next to the gold record of all of the sounds of 1977 that we wanted to share with whatever beings might find a spacecraft.
0: Nope, didn't happen. So that's all you guys.
3: Okay, so be it.
2: Anything
0: else, Mr. Amps?
2: Uh, I mean, the usual monster hunter, but save all that talk for the hunt.
0: Okay, how about you, Mr. Minky? I'm
3: still playing Rainbow Skies. I'm finding it very addictive, which probably means that we're going to get a review later rather than sooner because I just haven't felt compelled to push through the, the meager story. Instead, I just keep wandering around and buffing up my skills, and I'm surprisingly addicted to fishing in this game. And killing enemies because it's kind of neat to tra- finally get the eggs that let you hatch the enemies and put them on your team even if they suck without a lot of work. And I'm really impressed with this title. I'm enjoying it a lot. The other thing I did, it's giving—it's having a second proof right now of my Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey Redux review, which...
0: And was, it, had- and was it a strange <laughs> journey?
3: Yes. It was very, very strange but i did come out triumphant in the end only to be there are a lot of areas especially in the last couple of dungeons that you can't access because you have to play through them in new game plus which just seems insulting to me here you just spend in redux the the womb of grief the new dungeon can add another 20 25 hours if you try and go through the whole thing that makes it a monstrous game and now you want me to go through it again in order to find everything that i can that i can see is there what the hell is wrong
0: with you people? But does the new game dungeon, I mean the new game plus when you're playing through it, does it change up the dungeons or anything? It it gives you access
3: to new quests that allow you to go into certain areas that you weren't able to before. And your your radar in the bottom screen will be showing you, oh wait, it's detecting a what do they call it? a forma over there, a rare forma that I can collect and bring back to the ship and turn into parts, but I can't get in there because that door won't open for me right now. You have to come back in New Game Plus, which still requires that you go through the whole story again. I don't... That that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> but there are some people who, after sinking 100 hours into a game and reaching the end, think, oh, man, I want to go through it again! Immediately! I, I'm not that way anymore. I'm sorry, I, people.
0: I guess that's gameplay value. You get a lot of bang for your buck, I guess?
3: let's let's call it that because it probably is
0: yeah i'm i'm with you mike at some point as we get older and and the older people we tend to have a little bit more disposable income uh for me it's no longer a matter of do i get 80 or 100 or 200 hours from this 40 dollars game it's what you know with the time i do spend the game how much fun am i having so respect my time please keep developers respect my time i don't have a lot of it
3: And it's not as if the raw, the original time you go through Strange Journey, you're going,
0: man, this
3: is so short. How am I ever going to get my game, my time worth out of this game? Uh, Unless maybe you felt that way, Phil, that it was just rushing by and it was over before you knew it. But that wasn't my experience.
0: No, no, I didn't have that impression at all.
3: And again, with Redux, you get to go through the womb of grief, which opens up. There are seven levels of the Womb of Grief that open up gradually as you gain the ability to open new doors in the main game. And each of them has a new theme to them. There, There's an amazingly helpful ability you get in the Womb of Grief that allows you to tap a teleporter on the bottom screen, and it will show you where that teleporter is going to take you. That wasn't in the original version of the game, which meant Ooh. you had to remember where they went. Right, And you need it for a particular floor that is just in in the womb of grief where all right there are teleporters but there are conditional teleporters each one is in front of a block that has from zero to six flowers on it and if you and you have to go through either one that has zero or one that has one more than the number you just went through or else it won't work so if you don't have that function then you not only need to keep in mind where the teleporters go but what number of teleporter you just took? That's a fair amount that, of stuff. That's to keep insane. In your memory.
0: Yeah, that's insane. And unfortunately, it's not like um, Etrian Odyssey where you can write little notes and stuff at the bottom either. No, the no. the auto
3: map is pretty good, except when you compare it to Etrian Odyssey.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine for most things in life, but. Yeah, when you get into that level of, of teleportation traps, and I remember that I think the final dungeon or the next to final dungeon has some teleporters, and it didn't, it didn't tell you, even after you had activated and survived through them and stuff, it never notated where those teleporters took you. So nope. yet, like you said, you pretty much had to keep it in your short-term memory, trial and error, and I just, you know, I eventually, uh, brute force just kept trying them over and over again until I got out and was finally relieved when I finally popped out where I was trying to get to. That's
3: why going through the womb of grief to get that's an incredibly helpful function. There's another incredibly helpful one that makes it so if the main character dies, it's not instant game over. He can be revived.
1: Are you sure this is an SMT game?
3: Well, this is Redux, man. And you have to and it isn't you don't have to go through the womb of grief. You can just stick to the original game and not find any of this useful, extremely useful stuff. I don't recommend it, but you can. Or you, can, you also find a bunch of things in there that let you tailor the random encounter rate. You can turn it way down. You can turn it way up. You can even make it so that enemies that are way below you in level, they don't even pop up anymore. Huh. Again, very useful. Unless you like popping into random battles with worthless opponents all the time. In which case, have at it, bro.
1: Sounds interesting, but still not enough to sell me on a 100-hour game.
0: Do it. Do it. Do it, Larpinder. 100 hours. No, You you need to be able to
3: commiserate with Phil and me about the wonders that is the final boss of... Well, what was the final boss of the original and now is not necessarily the final boss of Redux, depending on what you do.
1: Nope. Atlas stole 120 hours of my life last year with Persona 5. They're not doing it again. (laughs) But what if they did?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Why, Mike,
2: do you want to play some Strange Journey Redux? No, I really. <laughs> I couldn't get the the beginning is too slow for me, and that I... is
3: true. It takes a good two two and a half hours of constant talking before we finally get to do it. Yeah. Go in
2: there. I got also distracted like by Atlas. yeah. I got distracted by newer and shinier games. So,
3: D- do stop. any of them have the words "monster" and/or "hunter" in their title?
2: Uh, well, they those wouldn't be new, but they certainly are shiny. So, yes, yes. <laughs> Just making
3: sure. Um, yeah, I can talk about Strange Journey Redux at great length because I did just sink
1: 105
3: or so hours into it. I have to look at my clock again. And it was mostly time well spent, I think. I. It didn't bother me just how massive the final dungeon is because I was already used to exploring the Womb of Grief, which is freaking massive also, and comes with nearly as irritating portions. There's one that's just one gigantic escalation uh, roller coaster thing you remember those tiles that when you step on them they automatically shunt you along until you reach a point where you stop mm-hmm. lots of those or Fun. the floor with some a sea of several hundred poison tiles and the only spots that aren't poison tiles are pitfalls to the floor below Oh dear that's why another couple of things you can get in the womb of grief reduce and eventually even eliminate damage from environmental effects. Again, very useful, only found by going to the Womb
2: of Grief. Yeah, I mean well, – It's I, such I, an inviting name too. It <laughs> is. Who wouldn't want to go to the Womb of Grief?
0: I will, I will certainly uh, echo your sentiment of like as I've said before on this podcast that I enjoyed my time with Strange Journey. It beat me. Well done, Strange Journey. But I did enjoy the journey. I, I did enjoy the mechanics, I enjoyed the story, I enjoyed uh, the exploring the dungeons, and, and the, the, the challenge, with the exception of the final fucking enemy, was, I thought, was, was was very good. It made you feel accomplished. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure the, the game bosses, felt accomplished when it beat me.
3: When I first tackle, I forget which boss it is, but one of them, if you attack it in exactly the wrong way, then it will counter with something that pretty much wipes your party. <laughs> So you have to learn, don't do that.
0: Yeah. It, it, is, it is tough because, you know, it, it, is, it is an investment of time. It, it, like you can knock out two or three other RPGs in the time that maybe it takes to get through this. But, but I enjoyed my time with it. And,
3: and as I said on the last final lap, the new fi- the, the final boss that I reached, the one that killed you, Phil, I was able to take down on my second try. And then because I had been going through the womb of grief all along, I was able to access a new final boss, which took me something over an hour to kill because of all of the wonderful things that it does, which I told about last time it's, it revives itself when it's low on health and suddenly and suddenly reflects. It will actually make, attacks from certain aligned characters just reflect back at them so you can't use those characters anymore you have to swap them out and by the time you've done that it'll probably have a different alignment reflect because why not everything even what it is weak to will do minimal damage we're talking possibly single or low double digit damage unless you can chain a combo so that one of your fellow alignments can chime in that will do some damage but remember, it's just annulled the attacks of certain alignments, so you may not be able to make that work. <laughs> oh, and it will occasionally heal itself, not fully, but enough to undo a lot of what you've been doing. So have fun with that, everybody.
2: Are you trying to sell us on this game or unsell us on this game? I'm becoming unclear.
3: I'm trying to make Phil feel better by explaining that the final boss, which eventually stopped his progress in the game, was not as nasty as the game can get.
2: Oh, I see. (laughs) It's a
0: Shin Megami Tensei game, boys and girls. It does get worse. It always gets worse.
3: And then if you feel like being in a new game plus, apparently you can go and tackle the... It's not the final boss, it's just the secret super challenge thing that even if you walk in with level 99 demons can probably eviscerate you unless you've completely prepared yourself with the exact right things. But that's just for all those people who want to spend another 100 hours with the game, pump themselves up to the max, go go around and grind for all the attribute-increasing items, because it's it's fun just wandering around looking for randomly spawning items every day, and have fun with that. It's there if you want it, people. Have fun. God
0: God bless your hearts.
1: More power to you, Mike. Mm -hmm.
3: So, Uh, So since that's all the gaming I've been doing, um... All right, Has it, who's seen Incredibles 2?
1: I have twice. Same here. Nice. Joshua, have you? No, not yet.
3: Did you like Incredibles? Yeah. Then see Incredibles 2.
2: Yes. Okay. It's It's brilliant. The yeah. animation is incredible. No pun intended.
3: <laughs> I gather that it took 14 years because Brad Bird was trying to figure out a way to come up with a sequel that wasn't a rehash of the first. And you know what? He did a fine, fine job. Mm-hmm. I think all I need to really tell you is that Jack-Jack takes on a raccoon, and it's amazing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 that's one of the best parts of the movie.
3: And it's a movie without any bad parts, really.
2: Yeah, uh, that motor motorcycle chase scene, that is some animation. The, the motorcycle that
3: is specifically tailored to Girl, so that it can yeah. move in two pieces.
2: Yeah, I think before I went to see this movie, I am like, it was like, you know, I don't know, you know if this movie is going to be that great, we've had so many superhero movies. And by the end, I was like, I want all my superhero movies animated now because no live action movie could do half of what this movie did. It's so good.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, I was so just good. kind of saying that I think to one of y'all earlier, like for, for me, I'm, I'm looking right now. There was a, uh, there was a, uh, a DVD sale at Best Buy and I'm looking up at the, at the DVDs I bought. And I don't even think I have one, I might have one live action film up there and the rest of our, you know, direct to DVD animated superhero deals, you know, (laughs) like bat you know, Batman, uh, you know, suicide squad, uh, the Avengers cartoon series that was out a few years back. I kind of like, Oh my
3: goodness, Phil, how have you lived without looking at the live action suicide squad movie
2: that everyone loves?
0: I know it was so (laughs) awesome, right?
2: I I couldn't even finish watching that movie. But but
0: like it's like yeah. I said before like I know this is getting off on a tangent but I can't help myself but like especially I mean DC's especially the, the easiest case in point because their superhero movies have been sucking like the Superman ones are the easiest ones to pick on they show Superman and they show him in this light that he's not likable he, it's not enjoyable to watch he's a prick. He's distant. He's like your boss. You don't want to hang out and have drinks with him. But you watch the cartoon direct to DVD movies, like one of my favorite ones is Superman versus the Elite. And and, and, and it, it's, Phil
3: you reminded me, I ordered that and it never came. And, I uh, it out the, UK and the seller never so I, I guess I have to order it again.
0: Oh yeah, you you need to order it again or I, I don't know if it's on Netflix wait, or wait, whatever. Phil.
3: There's another DC live-action movie coming out, and I know this one will change your mind because it's the Aquaman movie. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. It's
2: coming in December.
0: Oh, that'll save the DC universe. That'll save, yeah.
2: You know what will, though? Uh, teen Titans go to the movie.
0: Uh, no, what's really funny is, like they, they, they even their actors don't know their characters that they're playing. They had the interview with the guys playing you know, Aquaman, and he's like, oh yeah, I talk to, I talk to, 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 to fish. And it's like 512 different ways. Do you have to say Aquaman? That's like the longest running joke from the justice league from the 1980s. Aquaman doesn't talk to fish. He gives them mental emotive commands, but he doesn't sit around having a cup of tea and having a conversation with them. It's not a, it's not a thing. He just gives them impulses to move directions and maybe attack things on the occasion, but he doesn't know. And it's not even his primary pow No, no just stop it. You're I'm not embarrassed.
3: supposed to ask, but this Jason Momoa's Aquaman. How does he keep his hair and his chiseled features looking that way when he's constantly underwater? Doesn't that wreak havoc with your physique and your hair after a while?
0: I know it's like very carefully, but but my whole point is uh, going back to the animated. Like a lot, of, not everyone's a, ho- a home run, but a lot of them are really good and show these characters in a, in a deeper light and really give the DC character's character that the movies just... They just forgot that their characters are supposed to have, you know, character. I,
2: I think the, the best example for me that I recommend to people whenever I can is uh, Batman, the Brave and the Bold,
0: mm.
2: which I think specifically gives, like, light to a lot of lesser-known characters that get, like, tons and tons of personality, and and including Aquaman, who is absolutely hilarious in that show. Well, Aquaman is... Shouldn't be a
3: joke, just, the, hey, you can walk, swim around in the ocean all you want and have the powers of communication with all of the undersea life. That's not, I've well, heard of much worse comp, powers.
0: Comp, just compare, him, compare him with Black Panther, because they're both rulers of big kingdoms that have their deep political intrigue going on in the comics. You know, Aquaman does actually have a lot of stuff going on that makes him a deep and compelling character. It's just somehow when they bring these characters to the big screen lately, DC just... Just forgets all of that shit and instead focuses on, you know, some quick story to get a quick buy. But we digress. Um, anywho. Well, any- well, if
3: Aquaman doesn't do it, then maybe Wonder Woman 2 will.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay, moving on.
3: You know you want to see Cheetah as the villain. No,
0: no, I do not. Uh, so, <laughs> what else, Mr. Mickey?
3: Okay, Incredibles 2. I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was fine. It was, it was not great. It was not up to the standard of Infinity what? War.
2: What okay, well, yeah, no, but it, that movie is it's fun, no, I'm, it's I'm not that It's fun, okay, okay. The villains Wait.
3: are not much, there's not much of a threat, but Paul Rudd no, great, no. and a lot of it is indeed quite funny. That last post credit scene, though, was a waste,
2: yeah, they didn't need that, didn't need it at all.
3: And
2: I went back to my childhood
1: and
3: I watched Last Action Hero for the first time. In- <gasps> oh my Shadows. god,
1: how does that hold up?
3: It's a curiosity. It is funny in spots, assuming you understand it, in action movie. The mere idea that Arnold shoots a car and it immediately explodes and there's a car chase where he manages to shoot about a dozen cars and they all explode immediately. That's kind of funny. But I, I was reading an interview with John McTiernan that said uh, there was almost, there was way too little editing done afterwards. He would shoot something and that's how it showed up and the movie. Almost no touch-up work done on it and you can kind of tell. And it's kind of confusing in the end. What the hell is happening here? What, whatever. It's not really a great movie, but it's it does not deserve to be considered the terrible thing it, some people consider it as either. Because it came out a week after Jurassic Park, really. How, how well was it going to do with that environment? Even Arnold can't compete with Jurassic Park. And I think that's about all I've got for now. You're up, Phil. Uh,
0: I want to take too much I I... Um, But, uh, cause, uh, you know, we talked about What I actually been spending, you know Just in talking about Odin Sphere That's pretty much, uh, that was a large chunk Of my playing time for the last uh, Month or so um, Aside from Icewind Dale, which I already talked about In the previous podcast But, uh, uh, you know, I will talk A, a little bit about uh, My, comp- uh, what I call the Computer RPG Club, or CRPG We, are, we got like ARPGs, WRPGs JRPGs but no one talks about CRPGs. And, uh, and this kind of ties in a little bit with the backtrack, sidetrack thing I'm doing or whatnot. But it, it ties in with the question of, well, Phil, what games are you going to play next? So so I went ahead and made up a list for what I'm doing for the rest of the year for the RPG backtrack, sidetrack. So what I'm playing right now, this month, and I'm just about ready to wrap it up and, and, and write something on it and talk about on the next show, is Pools of Radiance. Following month, August, is Tales of Magial, which I've already kind of started dipping my toe into. September will be Icewind Dale 2. October will be Curse of the Azur Bonds, going back to the Gold Box and continuing what I'm what I'm finishing up now with Pools of Radiance. November will be Wasteland 2 Director's Cut. And December will be Valkyria Chronicles. Uh, because, yes, boys and girls, that is a PC game as well as, you know, on other places um, and as such. And if you want to join in on the conversation, this is a club. You can you can either come into our Discord channel and tell me you know how your adventures are going in those games, uh, or you can hit us up on Twitter. Use the hashtag. I think it's uh, hashtag CRPGClub. Club. It's all one word. hashtag CRPG Club, and I'm following that, and I'll see your comments just using that that hashtag. And if you hit me up uh not only will it be kind of cool because we could be talking about these games as we're playing through them during these months but uh you'll be uh you'll be thrown into uh you'll be thrown into a drawing to win a game from my grab bag and by the way this ties in with the earlier contest of if you can guess all three characters you will also get to choose a game from the grab bag of course, once somebody chooses the game, it's no longer in the bag, so it'll get taken off the list. But right now, I have from GOG.com. I have Saints Row Two. I got Neverwinter Nights Diamond. I got Transistor. I got Battle Realms and Winter, Wolf, Winter of the Wolf, which is a real time game, uh, strategy game. And I got Torchlight on Steam. I've got Defense Grid, Left for Dead Two, Portal, Rise of Nations, Sanctum, Witcher, and Witcher Two, Tomb Raider, Torchlight, and Trine Two. Uh, so got a whole you've got like a dozen different games that if you win you can pick from the dozen of games and I'll, I'll send you the code for it or whatnot and and i'll add you know as the bag starts to get low i'll add more more games to it especially when these guys have sales because i just i'll just buy them and keep the codes and then give them out to whoever so yeah, i it,
3: tried torchlight on steam about a year ago and i didn't get very far because there was no controller option and that is not the type of game where i feel like clicking on the mouse to kill things over and over that it just seems like a it's a game that should have a controller option.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean it's a Diablo game, and I mean PC Diablo games typically go with the mouse and keyboard setup. But you know, with the PlayStation Two games, I feel like that uh, a lot it, it, it became it became more natural for me to play those games the, using the, the the controller. My 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 only problem is with like using ranged ranged not you know direct attacks like a bow and arrow. So I was just playing today. I was playing um, Champions of Norath and I'm playing a ranger and using the analog controller to aim at the monster with an arrow is it can be frustrating sometimes because if you're off by just a few degrees the arrow misses whereas with the mouse and you know keyboard I just clicked on the monster and my character would always hit the monster my accuracy with ranged weapons like that was much greater uh, and the such and it is a bit frustrating when I waste precious Uh, magical resources, because my ranger can infuse, use mana to infuse the arrows with, like, ice damage or fire damage, but it's expensive. So, it gets a little frustrating uh, sometimes with that, but...
3: um, but, Yeah, fair enough. I'm just...
0: I didn't have that issue, though, so much with, like, the later games, like, when you talk about, like, X-Men Legends... Uh, and later on I, I don't feel like it was I think, felt like they got the formula down or maybe they had like some sort of not, not like full auto targeting but just a little bit to nudge you like they would get better about saying okay you're really aiming for that guy so we're just going to knock it over a couple of degrees
3: yeah I don't remember X-Men Legends requiring pinpoint accuracy
0: yeah I just I don't remember that with like Cyclops eye blast and stuff I don't remember having so much of an issue hitting things but Champions of Norath is just I, I've been putting in quite a few hours into that over the months it's kind of my exercise game and it's just uh I'm level seventeen now and it's it's pretty frustrating. But uh anywho, but yeah, there's there's a uh, but torchlight, yeah, that's definitely going way back. But hey, if you never played it before, it's worth trying out. Uh it was popular enough to give us a sequel, so uh anywho yeah if you want to if you want to hit us up on discord and talk about these games a little bit or do the hashtag or do the do the contest there's various ways to kind of uh maybe win some of these games and you'll be and all of that mostly will take place on twitter so it helps to follow me on twitter uh or follow the hashtag crpg club to uh be able to receive those announcements in case you are a winner i'll probably reach out to you via twitter And all likely if it's Discord, I'll probably hunt you down on Discord and send you a private message. But anywho, uh, yeah, pretty cool, pretty fun stuff. But those are the games that I'm going to be playing for the rest of the year on the PC for the Backtrack Sidetrack. And I would just love to hear some of your comments. Or, you know, as I do the post each month, because I try to get those posts up before the end of the the months in question, you can also put your comments on the comment thingy. And you never know when we might have more trivia questions and such. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Uh, but anywho, that's uh oh, you, that's... you can sound more malevolent than that, Phil. Ha ha ha! That's about as evil as there I get you, there it. There you go. Ten o'clock at night. But yeah, so cool. Thank you. Uh, Regardless, we we always thank you for for listening and chatting with us. And the Discord channel, by the way, got to give some props to that. You can head over to rpgamer.com. Uh, the links are pretty easy to find to join our Discord. You just click on community, go down to Discord. That's how you can you can come and join. It's it's actually been pretty hopping. It's been pretty pretty. Like every day I see a couple of people, three people, four people join. And so it's fun to, to reach out and talk to people about our favorite hobbies and some of the articles that are on the website. We got a challenges for JRP July. So you know, come over visit us and and have a chat. We'd like to hear from you. On top of that, you can head over. Of course, I'm going to take a moment just to 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 remind y'all that this is a production of RPGGamer.com. It's your source for news, reviews, and home, of course, to the best gaming community on the net. Head over to our website. We got a ton of great articles uh, and podcasts from people who love. Uh, who love RPGs, who do this because it's a passion, who play the games all the way through before doing full reviews on them. So uh, you know you get you, you get um, uh, integrity, so to speak. unlike certain other websites that they just get paid to do a review and they do it halfway. A lot of fr- interesting comments on but the Octopath Phil, reviews.
3: Don't you remember those wonderful uh, reviews we found for Arc Fantasia last time? Especially mm-hmm. that beautiful IGN review from somebody who clearly knew his business.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
3: The guy who had never played a Japanese uh, uh, role-playing game before. Never
0: played a JRPG before, but man, let me tell you, I'm I'm going to review this because I can put context to this. No, incredible, and we're even seeing that with like Octopath, you know, Traveler a lot of uh, websites and, and YouTubers really rushing to get those reviews up as soon as the, the embargo was lifted, but they still hadn't actually finished the game or dipped their toe into the post-game content. Uh, and a lot of people making a lot of assumptions uh, as part of their review uh, or, or leaving uh, leaving it easy to make assumptions uh, about, uh, about how the game does and does not come together and how some of the in-game mechanics work out Boys and girls, you don't get that RP Gamer. You get full reviews. We take our time. We do it right. Uh, Mike Mickey suffers through the bad games <laughs> all the all the See, way something through. Something
3: this new site allows me to do is I have a word count of 1,669 for my Strange Journey Redux review. And then Severin told me, oh, I should probably talk about the story a little more, even though I already gave it about three paragraphs. So, okay, I have to talk about it a little more. All right.
0: All right. And uh, and right now we've even got this new episode of Q and A. Who knows what that is? I don't. I, 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 uh, I, excuse I me, just, I can't tell you about that. I I don't even know. I think someone hacked our website. It's just
2: wonderful, wonderful hmm. podcast. I don't know who makes it. They must be great people. Where um uh the hosts answer questions people ask and you know other commentary and whatnot. It's great. Good uh, show. I
3: think I was actually on one of those once. Does that sound familiar?
2: It does.
0: Well, I think I need to to show up at one of those and, and straighten those guys out, and maybe pimp the RPG backtrack over there some more. So that's that might happen. Uh, anywho, this, uh,
3: this sounds like a scheme at cross promotion. We know, we're not about that though.
0: Mm-mm. but we have a lot of different articles up there including our JRPG July week 2 wrap up where our staff members are telling you about the, what they're doing to celebrate JRPG July and what games they're playing and share their experiences so head on over uh, join in the discussions there and let us know what you think and I think uh, oh and I forgot to mention Twitter handles so I'm at JC Servant Mr. Mikey is at Jume J J U M E S Y N J-U-M-E-S-Y-N Wheels what are you at ask wheels right where you can where you can ask questions that may show up on his dubious podcast <laughs> and Larpender you're at JScarp right yep yeah with an e at the end with so you can re- e. re- yeah and of course we we uh, we have a collective RP gamer handle as well so uh, you can always tweet at RP gamer as well uh, if you want to tweet at the side of the hole or get our editor in chief or, or whatever so thank you so yeah all of that stuff boy you can tell I'm tired anywho. Uh, I think that's all the official credits. I think that's everybody. So, Mr. Meekie, do you want to put us to bed?
3: In the world of Laware and George Kamatani, games entering the third dimension has been disparaged and ignored. You are no longer dealing with 3D games. You are dealing with Vanilla where You are entering the second dimension. <laughs>